Welcome to Roguecast, the official podcast of Rogues Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Alright, welcome back. We missed last week uh, because work. Yes. Life. Right. Yeah, it was a little bit crazy. And uh, here, it's you know, this is a cold week. Uh, we could have we could have skipped a week again too to hide from the icebergs that are roaming it's through true. the city, yep. but we were braving it here for you. It is possible that an iceberg will crash through the office during the course of this. If you hear a loud crashing noise and a bunch of us yelling, "Oh my God!" An iceberg, humanity, an iceberg. <laughs> that is what happened. I'm going to make it clear what's happened, yes. so I will yell out, Dave "An will, iceberg!" They will narrate, "Oh my God! It's not an iceberg. It's Hitler in a robot costume, <laughs> and he's back." But wait, there's an iceberg too. Oh, it's an iceberg behind him. Good job, iceberg. <laughs> you got Hitler. I dare robot iceberg Hitler to come through the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's where we're starting. It's a little giddy here. Actually, it's slightly warm in the office today yeah. because the heat is doing a good job, uh, but it's also kind of pooling in the office. So instead of uh, our, it's bitterly cold outside. Yes, but we're nice and toasty somehow, in here, and almost too toasty, or perhaps too toasty. Yeah, we are wearing like. <laughs> as we're, as we're, as we're all pushing up our sleeves, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, dear God, why are we wearing all this hot clothing? <laughs> and that's when your monkey's paw summoned Iceberg Hitler. Iceberg <laughs> Robot Hitler. Iceberg Robot Hitler. <laughs> anyway, so that's where we're at. Starting, yeah. but we're going to talk about some exciting things today. We from are. from the first issue of uh, Cobra Commander yep. to. Uh, a, a movie of a Hunger Games movie yep. and a bunch yep. of trailers and whoever. And by the way, else. the Cobra Commander first issue is not Iceberg Hitler weird, but it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. Uh, are we going to say it's we'll, weirdness? We'll, we'll, we'll say it's weirdness when we get to it. Yeah. We'll, okay, we'll okay, get, okay. We'll give people a spoiler, spoiler warning. Yeah, okay. All right. So there were some games to talk about that we got in. Um, first of all, you have the D&D Deck of Many Things. Yes. Which yep. is not just a deck. It is actually also a book. Yeah. Do we still have the fancy right. cover? We do. We have three of them left. Anyone so, who is remotely interested should go look at the TikTok that, that, that Serena, our staffer Serena, did of it. The tickety talk, as the kids call it. Yep. Um, uh, because she does a, a nice uh, sort of unboxing video. Yep. And uh, it's very cool looking. Yeah, the... Uh, it's it's really so it comes with it comes with a book of like adventures based on the deck yeah. of many things and then also a deck of many things and a book of the many things which explains the deck. So yes. uh, for me as a casual D and D guy, what is the basic deal on the deck of many things? It is a deck of cards, but when you pull it out, it summons whatever's on the on the card. It's a it's a magical deck. So like, it, yeah. Is it always summon something, or does there sometimes like you change or it, some other? It effect? always summons something. It's not. Nature, oh, okay, okay. I believe. And so they have produced the actual deck, and it looks very beautiful, as yeah, I recall, yeah, right? It's, it's really, cool. really nice. It's a cool deck, but is it a good deck for for players, or is it usually something Oh, bad? yeah, it must be a mixed bag, right? It is a mixed bag, yes. Yeah. And in fact, it may be mostly bad. So, like, It's also known as the Deck of Hazards. Oh, <laughs> oh there you go. That's, uh, that's what I was shooting the, for. Uh, Forgotten Realms wiki, uh, which says, a Magical cards are metallic plates are arranged in a set deck, enchanted with great magic that was never to be used lightly. Now, now, here's the question. I wonder, have they changed it up a little bit since that... The Forgotten Realms wiki is like based on classic Forgotten Realms lore, I believe, right? So, yes. Um, so there's there's several... There's different decks. Some of them are 13, some are 22. I don't know which one this is. but So here's a few of the effects. Um, if you pull the moon, you gain the ability to cast the powerful spell Wish in one to three instances. That's pretty wow. good. Wish is like one of the biggest spells that exist. If you pull, uh, say, Ruin... 
You lose any and all wealth in your possessions. <laughs> if you pull Skull, an avatar of death appears before you, and before assaulting them with its scythe, it warned anyone nearby they were engaged in this fight alone. Anyone slain by the avatar of death could not be resurrected or otherwise brought back to life. Wow. So what you call high risk, high reward. Yes, indeed. Um, let me ask you, Randy. Uh, if you if there was a if you were in a high level D and D group, let's say uh, mid level, well, level ten though, but pretty high. Sure, sure. Is that, is that the that's not the upper limit in the current one? No, is it's it? twenty. Twenty. Okay. So you say you're level ten. Would you pull from it? Yes. Yeah, I figured. Dave, uh, if you're, I thought you were going to ask me if I, Randy, if someone came up here like, hey, Randy, here's a deck of many things. Pull <laughs> and the answer is yes, absolutely I would pull from it. <laughs> high risk, high reward, all about it. I got a Tarrasque to ride on. I got a Tarrasque to ride on. Um, so, um, but you get the deck, you get a, and you get some other stuff. You get with. a book, and you get a book of like adventures themed around it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's very I'm cool. actually curious about what adventures they have themed around it, and I bet there's like poker. But is it like it's got to be like there's like some society that hunts after the deck yeah. of many things yeah. and stuff it's like that. Bit. They've hired you, and they're like, yeah, we need you to find it, but please don't use them. Please find <laughs> the death card. <laughs> yes. Please find only the cards. Give us the good ones. Get only the good cards. Leave the bad cards out in the wilderness. We'll pay you 100 gold pieces per, per person. Per good card. Yeah, per good card. <laughs> These cards Sounds like a good deal. Very mean. I mean, they're, they're big, powerful cards. <laughs> yeah, they they're, are. They're, yeah, it's... It's, that's just the way it is. Deck of many things. That's one of those things that's in like the nice slipcase. Oh, and, and the variant cover looked cool on it, oh, as yeah, always. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Both yeah. versions look good, but the yeah, the variant, very awesome. Uh, we got from Asmodee a few big releases. We got a game called Coffee Rush, in which you are trying to become the greatest barista by quickly fulfilling coffee and beverage orders. Uh, if you are a barista, this probably sounds like a hellish game to play. <laughs> but if you're not, you got it's like you put the ingredients together... You uh, filling orders boost your rating. This kind of stuff. It's a card game. That sounds, sounds cool. like fun. Um, we got uh, the Avatar Republic City and GM screen. So the Republic City is the Korra source book. Mm-hmm. So it's that era, and it's got the full breakdown of Republic City and all that kind of stuff along with an adventure. Yep, pretty cool. The Avatar RPG and the GM screen for the RPG. Um, we got uh, Daybreak. Which is a uh, cooperative game from Matt Leacock, who did Pandemic, yep. The, yep. the the sort of granddaddy of the co-op games. Yep. And uh, I, I was just telling somebody about it the other day who had who had never played it, and I'm always reminded when I describe it, like how good that game is, just how well balanced it is, and how fun it is to play. Like you get to all do everybody has something only they can do all that, but this is one I know of like. Uh, cities trying to prevent like environmental disasters and stuff like that. I think like it's that. nations. I think you're nations. A nation okay. You are you are trying to do things for both your nation, but also you want to cooperatively, you know, you want to do something that's going to eliminate climate change problems. Right. Uh, it is apparently very hard. Yep. Fairly hard to stop climate change in this game as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's supposed to be really fun. Um, uh, you know, most co-op games have a have a pretty solid difficulty because they they want you to. To, to, to really work together and be efficient and, you know, be smart. Yep. Um, we got Lacuna, which is a cool-looking two-player game about collecting p- flowers on a pond at night. Uh, Rather specific, comes, I bet this is a pretty-looking game. It comes a little tube, it's very pretty, it has a cloth mat. I feel good for a good two-player game, that's one to check out. Um, we got the expansions for Project L, which is a sort of Tetris-style game of plastic pieces. Uh, the expansions either add the ghost piece, which turns into a six-place player game, or uh, some new other mechanics and that hmm. kind of thing. Uh, we got a game called El Grande that is like a uh, um, 
resource management game. Okay. That looks pretty cool. And we got <coughs> Unlock Extraordinary Adventures. This is uh, another in their escape games. Um, and they always have they always have three in there. And the three in Unlock are uh, Restart, Hollywood Confidential, and WAFF's Odyssey. Which I believe, in looking at it, Restart is kind of a reboot cyberpunk kind of thing. Okay. And WAFF's Odyssey is kind of a Wally kind of thing, I believe. Oh, okay. So those are your. Did I hear? Uh, is there like a noir one in there? There's a noir one in there, Hollywood Confidential. Yeah. So yeah, uh, if you're looking for some more unlock, there are some more unlock. Uh, also, want to mention we have uh, our clearance sale going. We've got uh, still some more, still some of the demo games, although a lot of those have gone out already. But there's but there's, there's a lot good of games stuff in there. There's like a bunch of DC Rebirth graphic novels, which uh, like still has like a following. We still yep. get people yep. in looking for certain ones, um, and they've got the really beautiful spine design. So we, those are all kind of in one place. I think a lot of the Ed Brubaker Criminal stuff is on there, which is really really good, amazing. Yep. And each one of those is standalone. So like even if somebody picked up one or two and you just got a random volume, yep. it's it's gonna work. Yep. Uh, we've got some of the poster books remaining. DC's art artist-based poster yeah, books. Yeah, those are really gorgeous. Uh, really amazing uh, books. They were already, honestly, a good price when they started out for like $25 for these nice little uh, cardstock or lithostock or whatever uh, um, books uh, of art. And so at like uh, half that is super good. Yep, yeah, 50% off everything on the table. Uh, that sale will go at least for the rest of the month, probably till next month at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, come and check that out. Um, and then we up we did our grab bags. If you uh, if you like our comic grab bags, which are ten bucks for ten comics, uh, we've got Marvel and DC again. We've also got a handful of uh, the vintage horror, horror oh. themed. Um, um, I was going to mention in the Marvel ones. I think you have we have like random inserts in some of them of vintage Marvel comics, yep, yep. which is kind of a neat thing. Someone dropped off some. They're they're kind of beat up. They're reading copies, but you might get a random, uh, like, Spider-Man or something. I mean, yep. it'd be like... like There was, like, Spider-Man number 50. Like, yes, beat up. Not going to sell for much, yep. but actual, like, Spider-Man number yeah. 50, like, big epic, you know, like, big historical issues. Yep, they are randomly inserted in the Marvel grab bags. The kind of thing I think that'd be super cool for a kid to find yep. or for a nostalgic parent to find, yep. uh, you know. Yep. But also we did in our... We, we've been doing the Mature Readers grab bags for the indies for Image and that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, I broke them out a little bit so there's a fantasy horror so you can get uh, those or a sci-fi. Oh, nice. And you can get the sort of genre-based grab bags. Nice. Uh, most of those are Mature Readers just in case because yep. not everything in there is 18 and up but a lot of it is. In, in the off chance, in case you don't know what Mature Readers usually refers to in our biz, it's basically just like our rated R thing. It could be rated R for violence, language, little nudity... Um, Walking Dead would be rated R. Yep. Sunstone would also be rated R. You get the idea. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's talk about comics for this week. Yes. Let's start with last week's comics, just because we didn't record last week. Right. And we, we don't have a lot to talk about last week, yep. but the, the, the main thing we want to mention is Ultimate Spider-Man number one hit last week. Yes. yes. If you've not heard, it was a big hit. Very big yeah. hit. Uh, it sold out here in first day. Yep. It sold out everywhere first day. It's going for crazy money online. Uh, we do have uh, about ten of uh, variant covers of number one, the first printing coming back in. Yep. Which you can special order one if you would like. I think we still have some slots available. We do, but not a ton. Not a ton. And then we also did order the second printing, which will be coming out in about three weeks. And and if you haven't read up on it, 
this uh, this this alternate world Spider-Man is one who does not get bitten, get the powers essentially until he's kind of like what thirties, forties. He's in his late thirties, early forties. Yeah, he and Mary Jane are married. They have they have kids, and they're like teens, maybe. So, well, it's not <clears throat> the uh, or like twelve year old. Yeah, yeah. What do they call like the older Peter Parker and the Spider Verse? Parker. Peter it's P. definitely inspired by that, but it is not just right. That. But uh, but inspired by, I think, is is the key yeah. thing. Like, if you wanted more of that kind of idea. If you wanted to see a mature uh, Peter Parker yep. in an interesting world that also has his Uncle There's, Ben very yep. much alive. Yeah. Um, and an interesting interaction with J. Jonah Jameson that is far from typical. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. the world building is the most world interesting thing. aspect it's Jonathan has been doing his Jonathan can make things. And uh, who's the art? Marco Cicchetto? Yeah, Marco Cicchetto. Yeah. Really nice art for Marco Cicchetto. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about this week's comic. Let's start off oh, with... Oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to sneak in a, a last week's comic, which is also, sold, also sold out. out. I it's know. not coming back in. It's You're just going to break people's hearts. It's, but okay. It's, you don't think that they'll do another printing? Nope, I do not. Does DC not ever do a second it's printing? Rare. It's rare. I bet they will on this one. I'm going to be against this. But Dave is going to break your heart by a comic. You I'm going to break your heart. <laughs> uh, go buy it at another store. Um, uh, action Comics number whatever, which was the first Action Comics by Jason Aaron. This is notable because Jason. this is also a recommendation for Jason Aaron's, what's his sci-fi Batman thing? Batman Offworld. Offworld. Where, uh, that had the premise I thought was ridiculous, but I'm liking kind of more with each issue, where Batman got trounced when, like, a local mob hired, like, an alien enforcer, and it was, like, represents the first time in his, it's a, it's a flashback story, uh, that he dealt with, like, uh, an alien le- level of power that he couldn't predict. So Batman does the only logical thing. He Just, flies off into space to fight an alien. <laughs> uh, but they do, like, he makes a point of, like, he had to use some Wayne money to essentially get, like, a SpaceX yeah. type of yeah. access to to get uh, into space, you know, a, a like an early kind of warp jump drive or something like that. It's a ridiculous premise in all the right ways. Yes, um, and then like um, he, but he he still finds himself outmatched and enslaved on a ship that, uh, and then there's some interesting things that come out of that stuff with the fellow prisoners. So you get a little bit of that, I guess, a little bit of that uh, gladiator and prisoner vibes type yeah. of story, yeah. but in a sci-fi thing. In action comics, uh, and then, I, I, by the way, Jason Aaron is not a writer I generally follow, so that's why this is notable to me, too. Uh, it means I'm going to be checking out all of his DC stuff, because his first issue with Superman on, on action comics was really interesting. Had an interesting story in which Bizarro, uh, of all people, uh, interacts with a, a magic world, mm-hmm. and gets uh, unknown powers, and also has strange and bizarre motivations. Uh, but I thought that the writing throughout was good, with uh, Clark and Lois being both written well. Uh, sort of a, a story that was both serious and also, like, I, I don't usually like Bizarro stories either, to be honest, and I like this one. Um, but, like, it it, um, it managed to be uh, a, have some grave elements in it without being, like, grimdark. Um, and I thought I thought Jason Aaron was going to be grimdark. Yeah. Um, so uh, watch for this when it's reprinted and Randy has to apologize to me. But um, in the, the the only reason I think it probably will get reprinted is the fact that it's pro- it's the an opening thing for their Superman Superstars initiative. They they should reprint it, but they haven't announced it by now, which, which means is, it's already a little running behind time. Yeah, it's a little. I would also think that that's maybe three, just because story. Aaron is um, like he is kind of a notable new name. I wonder if they might do something like as after they've done the three is put out a little three issue uh, reprint one of those weird yeah, things. Yeah, maybe maybe that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was the that was the other notable one for last week for me. So on with the show. Yeah, and I think uh, I think you and I both not big Jason Aaron fans, but discovered that maybe his DC vibe is maybe more. 
fitting than his Marvel Yeah, Marvels. what I thought was a little over the top and kind of wacky on, on uh, the Avengers yep. seems to be a better fit at DC. And also, he's not being as... as is kind of overall wacky. It yeah. seems like oh, these are some larger than life premises, but like they they seem to be handled pretty well. And also, Aaron usually is a little bit better when he's dealing with a single character as opposed to a, a big team. That's interesting. Yep. Yeah, uh, I haven't maybe read enough of his stuff to, to his say that. But Mighty Thor stuff was great. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. That was his that's biggest right. thing. Yeah. And even thing. I liked some of that stuff. So, all right, uh, let's talk about Cobra Commander, and and we're gonna spoil a little thing here. Kind so, of a conceptual uh, premise. You want to, to skip it. ahead a few minutes if you don't want to hear the the big high concept. But uh, when we when we read this in previews a few weeks back, I think we we're all like, "Oh wow, uh, I'm surprised they're doing that." Yes. And what they're yeah. doing is Cobra Law, right? And, and in case you're like Cobra, what what, what now? Um, this was a Stop very this and go watch the GI Joe movie immediately and listen to <laughs> or Burgess look Meredith. at Wikipedia or look at Wikipedia. No, 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 that's, that's not fun. I mean. So there was a, uh, just as there was a Transformers movie in 1986, one year later they did a G.I. Joe movie, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Duke was going to die in it, but because pe- kids were being traumatized by... Uh, <laughs> they were traumatized by Optimus, Optimus death, yeah. they last minute uh, were like, ah, oh, Duke, Duke survives at the li- like the 11th hour in the movie, and it's kind of ridiculous, but... <laughs> This movie threw out a big old weird twist. Uh, you know, the, the, uh-huh. con- the cartoon had always been the wilder side of G.I. Joe. Cobra had, like, James Bond technology, like, villain technology, but, like, even way beyond that. Even magic and stuff sometimes would yeah. show it's up in there. Um, and they, uh, Cobra Law was this ancient civilization that, like, 40,000 years ago had uh, ruled over Earth, and they had, like, organic technology, and it's all weird and cool-looking. If you've ever seen uh, uh, Miyazaki's movie uh, Nausicaa, it kind of looked like the fungus forests and things like that. It's really pretty nicely animated. And um, you found out that they had to retreat as humanity rose up. They, they, they went into hiding in, the like, the Himalayas and would um, eventually send out... They're like, we need to retake the world in the present... And they sent out an emissary, and that person was Cobra Commander. Yep. Um, and uh, I think in the animation, did they... They had, like, sort of mind-wiped him or something, so he didn't know he was from there, right? No, no, he knew. He, he knew? Okay. Yeah. Um, he was I guess, the, I guess Cobra the, I guess the chosen. The, the, it was like Mindbender, when he created Serpentor, had been like... That had been an implant. The, I, the idea of that was implanted by Glock. Right. Glock. I knew there was some implant thing. But anyway... Uh, but the main thing is that, yes, uh, Cobra Commander came from this secret, mystic, sort of organic technology civilization, and in the Energon universe of the comics, that is also the origin. Uh, incidentally, in the comics of G.I. Joe back in the day, he was a uh, pyramid scheme salesman who elevated it to fascism. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is uh, wild. Yep. Um, but that is that is his origin in the com- in the older comics. But in the new comics, he is a scientist from Cobra Law. Yes. Yep. A, and, and a pretty... He's a pretty dangerous one in this. Yep. He's yes, made out to ruthless. be... Uh, you, know, you know, one thing that was kind of weak in the old cartoons is that a lot of times he was just sort of like Starscream, all yep. bluster mm-hmm. and very little... Very few wins... Um, and just as Starscream has been getting his wins in the Transformers comic, this Cobra Commander don't take no shit. Um, yeah, Joshua Williamson says in his, his backup text piece that basically this Cobra Commander, one of his things, he does he does not retreat. Yeah, right, right. Um, and uh, there is some fun stuff in this. He has he has things up his sleeve. He's doing uh, dark experiments. Uh, there's he, a big tie into Transformers, which we won't give away. Big tie yep. into Transformers, which we won't give away. 
there's cool art by uh, and- Andrea Milana. Is that yeah, I like the art a lot. Yeah. Um, this is very different from Duke and Transformers, but it's definitely of a piece. Yep. So I think what we we were like even I as a person who has some fandom for the animated series Wildness was thrown by this a little bit. I was like, oh, I just did not think that they would do it. And they they admit in the write up that they wanted to throw some surprises at people. Yep. And the um, but when I think about it, it made it made some sense. They're 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 merging GI Joe and Transformers. And they need this is like some large Transformers are very larger than life. Mm-hmm. You know, suddenly GI Joe is dealing with. Robot aliens. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That's yep. what those are. Yep. And in that context, Cobra La, a hidden civilization uh, on Earth, not that weird. Kind of on the same. Kind of on the same level, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, um, you know, um, one of the Cobra La people, if you uh, watch the cartoon, was Globulus. Yes. A, uh, he the big man? He's, he, the, he's, he's the big man. Boss. He has like a yeah. uh, sort of a floating air sack thing that his he embeds into and it glides him along like but like Xavier's like chair. That. Yeah, and he's uh, was voiced by Burgess Meredith mm-hmm. in a very creepy way. Um good good stuff Burgess Meredith. A couple Meredith. of the uh characters from the movie show up in this yes. which I was yep. very yeah. happy yep. with. They and, and and incidentally, you know, the they they all had cool designs in the movie uh uh, what was it? Pythona, Nemesis, Enforcer, mm-hmm. and the even the, the sort of the royal guard uh, for yep. Cobra La. But yep, that's what happens. Um, and and when we have not given you the actual plot to to this, so there are yep. still lots of surprises. But just brace yourself a little bit. It yep. is a little out there. Well, He's out not there. just like running around inside a fortress or something like that, nope. saying you know get ready to drop some bombs. But here's the thing: I don't think Josh Williamson is going to shy away from that either. I feel like we're going to get kind of all aspects of Cobra Commander. Yeah, in practice, I think as he kind of comes into our world to make his his name, um, he's, you know, he's going to be doing many traditional Cobra Commander-y things. It's just that we'll know that there's this kind of weirdo origin for him. And then there's a great stinger at the end of this. Yep, there's a great stinger. Um, Garth Ennis is doing a James Bond miniseries, just a little three-issue thing. Uh, if you've been wanting to check out a, uh, a different take on James Bond, <laughs> it's um, fun. It's very, it it's very Garth Ennis. It's it very is. James Bond. If you liked his Punisher Max stuff, yes, uh, this this is going to be up your alley. I if you want to see Bond in the first few pages, do something that that's kind of your, where you'll go. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the one. You know, it is funny. I, I hadn't thought about it, but the Bond movies always did those unrelated openings. They're sort of yeah. like. The this, cold this, open, and it's yeah. Like, it's like the end of another case, basically. Right. Yep. And it starts out looking, and I'm like, oh, is this going to be a plot? Oh, I guess not. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, 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 very, it's a very fun opener. D- darkly it funny is. in yep. that Garth Ennis violent sort of way. Yep. Um, and and there is actually kind of an interesting plot going on, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a pretty larger-than-life piece of technology that's that's kind of leaked from, from the Brits. Uh, with some, with some old school uh, a w retired double <coughs> which is a rare yep. thing yep and you know uh, uh, kind of a cool assassination attempt and other stuff afoot but um, some fun banter with him and money penny like it feels very bondy yeah like, like, but there is a little bit of that edge that you expect from Garth Ennis it's a little uh, more violent than uh, yeah, a little yeah. more violent yeah. but but it has gonna see at least one dismemberment there's some mutilations but yeah. it has a little <laughs> bit of the plot of an 80s bond film yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure uh, a lot of fun, actually, is the first yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, less fun, but interesting, is uh, Chip Zdarsky and Daniel Acuna's Avengers Twilight, which is 
I've heard them basically pitching this as like their Dark Knight Returns for the Avengers. Right. Yeah. Or And you, you, when we were off mic earlier, you were also equating it to Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come-ish, yeah. Which is to say, it is a dark future Avengers story, but like I, I, I feel like it has sort of percolating in it with it. It's not just like Edgelord dark. It, no. it is... Um, it, it has some... Uh, I think fairly novel notions of a... Because it presents yeah. a world that on the surface it, it's like an America that's kind of at peace. Right, they've got all this great technology and all this kind of stuff, but it's like... Uh, There's it's, a price that has it's, been paid. There, it's, it's sort of quiet fascism. Yes, yes, uh, and it's actually pretty interesting. And Shield has turned into sort of this fascinization. There's a there's a curfew. Do we want to say um, the thing of, that gets Steve Rogers so uh, riled up? No, I think we should leave that alone. But but I, okay. I do think one of the things I think is interesting is basically this is an older Steve Rogers. The Super Soldier Serum has fled his body. He's just an old. He's an older guy. He's an old dude. He had a failed run for senator. Yep, um, that was interesting because I thought that was a shade of the uh, '70s um, yeah, uh, Cap story yeah. where he ran for president. Uh, but he <laughs> is like he gets together with his old friends uh, Luke Cage and uh, and uh, Matt Murdock. Yep, who uh, Matt is running a legal clinic for people. Uh, Luke Cage was, is an ex mayor, um, and his powers have started to turn on him a little bit. And the the sort of main antagonist that we see in this is the snotty twenty uh, something son. Of Tony Stark and the Wasp, yep. Who's basically throwing the entire heroic legacy under the under the bus? Yes, he's he's a he's, he's a, a quite the shit heel. Uh, but it's a uh, it's it's an interesting opener, and the, there's a there's a thing called H Day where they where the a lot of the heroes died and some bad stuff happened yep. that they they allude to here. Um, but yeah, if you sort of want to see a, a sort of a darker future. Uh, uh, Avengers with, like I said, I think there'll be a heroic arc to it. Yeah. It's a good first issue. I'm curious to see where they're going with it. The art is really stunning from Daniel Acuna, yep. who kind of does a, it's, it's a, it looks like it's sort of painted. Yeah. Uh, not quite in the style of, say, Kingdom Come, but, you know, you won't be thrown yeah, if, similar if, if, vibe. That's, if that's what you would like. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's worth checking out. Uh, even if you think that that, like, Sounds a little grimdark. It's uh, it, it has definite elements of that, but um, but yeah, if if you have liked Dark Knight Returns or Kingdom Come or well, other stories, and like that. did a uh, a a legacy type series with Spider Man Life Story that we all really enjoyed. Yeah, it's true. Agreed. So he's got he's he's got some buy in for me on this, even if it's a little grimdark for me. Yep. Uh, cable number one, new cable series from uh, his creator Fabian Icieza, uh, art by Scott Eaton, which is really nice. Yeah. And uh, Cable has already passed the whole Orcus thing. He's like, ah, these guys aren't the real threat. There's a thing called the Neocracy coming that I know I've seen in my many time travels, and I need to stop that. So uh, he kid- he he rescues his younger self from time travels weird. Orcus, and now it's like a buddy comedy with old Cable and twenty something Cable as they're <laughs> trying to stop this new technology coming. And there is a fun Silver Age villain thrown into the mix at the very end. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun first issue. It is. What I, I really need enjoy is for young Cable to force old Cable to make a TikTok. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, what do they then make I won't him, read it. What do they make him do the, uh, the what's the dance? The floss. Floss. Yeah. <laughs> Makes him floss. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's the only thing that can make you good. No, it, it looked it, it look kind of cool. And I did uh, I did appreciate the uh, use of a kind of an old school thematic uh, kind of character uh, in there too it was nice to see. Dave, what if uh, what if they do a new lenticular cover that is him flossing? <laughs> People uh, are actually returning it to the stores. They don't want it. They don't want it. Um, 
Gang War brings us another one shot. This is Jackpot, with uh, which is Mary Jane using a gauntlet that gives her superpowers. Yep, it's a thing. They've done they've done some stories with her as the character Jackpot yep. before. Yep. Uh, and uh, this is just a one shot of her basically interposing herself into the Gang War, and it's going to lead into a uh, Jack Jackpot Black, Black Cat series. Let me just ask: if she's fighting a supervillain, yep. and the supervillain punches her, does she say, "Face it, you just hit the jackpot"? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, she does. Just, just wondering. She does say that, that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> she um, uses the same catchphrase. Uh, I guess this is like the third miniseries of this, but uh, Sandman Universe presents John Constantine Hellblazer, Dead in America. This is Simon Spurrier doing a uh, uh, John Constantine, uh, and I did not realize there had been two previous stories like from these in this creative team. I didn't either, actually. But uh, this this reads as standalone. But have yeah, they been a part of the Sandman Presents? Uh, I guess they have, yes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, um, Nick, so this, they, they have a one-page explainer of, of it at the very beginning. Okay, so there is some a little catch-up of what we're, we're at. Yeah. Basically, John is on the run in America uh, with his... who finds out he's got a, car- a, a kid who is his son. He's mute, so he uses sign language, and uh, John actually got him into some trouble. And he's got a, uh, a, a Scotswoman who is like his bodyguard and who hates him. Yep. Um... And they are in America because they did some bad things, and uh, they're driving around in an old double double decker bus. What? Uh, yep. yep. Because it has that sounds of, goofy. It has sort of power. It has a sort of has iconic a, power kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. There's stored up energy saturating the idle dreams of all who've ridden it. It's just a little close to the Bluths uh, <laughs> stair <laughs> stairmobile. Uh, well, Dave, you'll, you'll you'll enjoy this. He says this. He's like, it's symbolic poissons permits me to access the cultural majesty of mighty Albion, and thereby we have elaborate glamours to conceal us in our journey, to which his bodyguard says, try to bullshit me again, I will break your face. <laughs> so, It feels like classic uh, Constantine a little bit. You were pretty happy with it, right? Yeah, I think, it, I think this is a really good first issue. It's now also, that I know that it's part of a, a trilogy, I'm going to go seek yeah. out... It's also notable that it features Daniel the Sandman in a pretty yeah. moment. In fact, he is the one who gives John a job. Well, there, yeah, and there's like there's connections to the original Sandman yeah. series. Yeah, it's, it's just this really if cool. We don't idea. have the uh, collections for those stories. We should, we should probably try and get yep. those in. Yep. But yeah, if you're if you're a Constantine fan, and I think a lot of people are, yeah, uh, this is a good jumping on point, and this is a this is a good uh, reminder of oh yeah, this character would be a lot of fun. It yep. kind of hits every high point that that you want out of a Constantine series. So yeah, I definitely recommend that one. I'm always happy to see that this character that was created in like 1982 or whatever, yeah. and made to look drawn to look like Sting uh, in his yep. earliest days yep. in the police and all that stuff uh, is is somehow still as popular uh, now, if not more so. More so, yeah. I mean, than he's he in like Justice League Dark and stuff. In Justice League Dark, he's had live action incarnations, animation, uh, probably been in some video game at some point. Uh, probably, but I'm sure. Um, uh, where you attack with his power of smoking, but we still call, <laughs> we still call him Constantine, not Constantine. That <laughs> yeah, that's correct. just Constantine true. is weird. That's a hill we Americans will die on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, and then we've got Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong number four comes out this week. Yep, that series well, has been continuing to be big, as well as Monster Size Edition number one, which is a reprint of one and two. One, number one has been out of print for a while. Uh, we have number two, but unfortunately, we weren't able to get number one. So, if you if you miss number one. You can get a, uh, a monster-sized edition of one and two together. Yep. 
And then we have three and four. You can catch up. Yep. This latest issue has some underwater stuff with like Aquaman and yep. Atlantis stuff, which was a cool. That was yeah. a, that was a neat idea to bring that into. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then there is a. Uh, it's sort of a graphic novel. It's what do they call it? Prestige format. Yeah, it's like an OGN, like a little like or like a super thick comic called uh, The Colonized. That is a sort of spoofy, a little bit basically. Uh, the the high concept is aliens versus zombies in a in a redneck town, <laughs> right? Like they're in like a militia town, and the zombies uh, or the aliens. Uh, I understood that they were trying to like just like uh, the, the, the aliens were like trying to like pick up a human with like their tractor beam, right, and they, they like pull up like and they actually pull up a, a they zombie. grab a corpse from from the, uh, the cemetery on accident, and their ray revives it, <laughs> and then yep. you know, oops, yep. They accidentally caused the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Uh, it sounded like, I, I believe it is a uh, loving uh, homage slash send-up uh, to old, like, B-horror movies and yeah. sci-fi movies of yeah. the 50s. Uh, but yes, with that, some, some modern twists on it. Uh, I think I think there's a little bit of a market for that, so if that if any of that sounded interesting, you should, uh, it's called The Colonized. Yeah. Um, that's all for number ones, but there are a lot of uh, other books this week. Uh, it's a Tom Taylor Tuesday, so we have a new issue of Nightwing, which sees uh, Damien transformed into a cat per- cat man named Mr. Mittens. Yes, it's, that's not a kidding. real that true happens. thing. And he also fights Gail Simone, who is a bear. <laughs> it's it's not the way I would pitch the book, necessarily, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's good stuff. And um, uh, really, you, the cover... Is a shot is a, is an homage to a meme, the meme of the little cat, the little at the table, yep. the little sassy no cat uh, that was has the lady yelling at him from like a it was like from like reality show thing I think originally yeah but yes you need to see the cover to this and then uh, if if you're in the mood for some uh, Damien as a cat it also uh, it also features John Kent who is uh, Damien's best friend yep uh, Damien and Nightwing have some fun interplay. Uh, an interesting new villain, uh, Apex Ava. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, some some a uh, 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 lot of blood going on in the one single issue. Sure. Uh, and then uh, Titans continues the uh, the Beast World story. Yep. And uh, has a new villain who were the more more of the villain, as well as uh, you will get to see what Nightwing's persona is. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I'm not telling you. Is it a man? You got to read. You got to read the book. Is it read the book. A chipmunk. Uh, there is uh, Superman number ten, which is a uh, the origin of Moonlight Miranda. Is that her name? Um, yes, she's been showing. Yeah, she's yeah. been a, a supporting she's been character as a ghost in the book. Frequently, she has a very cool Marilyn look. Moonlight. Marilyn Moonlight. Marilyn Moonlight. But you will you will spot this issue because on the cover, Superman is a cowboy, very nicely drawn. It's yep. like he looks cool. So the art in this is Bruno Redondo, who has been doing great stuff on Nightwing. We've we've spoken his praises many a time. Uh, yeah. Superman is basically sent back to the old west. Yep, uh, and uh, discovers uh, the origin of Marilyn Moonlight. Yep, and there is a there is a, a bad guy who it's has an been old school Superman bad guy, old school Superman bad guy who's been like causing some some trouble, and he has to go take him on, uh, even though his powers are not exactly reactivated right now at right. the moment. Um, so um, so yeah, like if you if you want a little Clark in the Old West story with some really badass art from Bruno Redondo, uh, give that one a look. Yeah. Uh, Green Lantern War Journal, which is uh, more of John Stewart's uh, uh, Green Lantern book, which I'm really enjoying. Yep, that is um, a uh, that was a I think a book that kind of pleasantly surprised us. Uh, new issue of Fantastic Four. This one all focused on the kids, which are they are now in high school. So it's uh, uh, slightly older Franklin Valeria 
and the two, I guess they're, it's a scroll and a Cree that, like, the thing and Alicia adopted. Yeah. And they're all going, nice. they're all going to school, and they are, they have to, uh, uh, do a science project, and it gets out of hand. <clears throat> Uh, I, if I were the school that they go to, I would be in terror. Oh yeah, at yeah. like what yeah. might happen. Yeah. Like Doctor Doom could come for them. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, Finn uh, Fang Foom could come for them. Latest issue of um, uh, Ahmed what uh, Solomon Ahmed's uh, Daredevil, which has really spectacular art by a new artist. Uh. Farid Karami, David, you and I weren't familiar yeah. with this guy, but I just peeked in on the issue because I was flipping through. Well, I peeked in on it because She-Hulk. She Hulk, She Hulk, it is. And, she Hulk and Daredevil, and I have not been reading it, but you, you've been saying it's been pretty good. And I knew that it had the unusual premise that uh, Matt something had happened, and like there had been like a time jump or something had happened, and he was a priest now. Matt yep. Murdock was a priest, yep. but you know, like an ass kicking priest, and I like that. You know, that's <laughs> fun stuff. And um, and in this one. Um, he does, in fact, run into She-Hulk, and their uh, encounter will bring bring to the fore some what some of what's been going on. Yeah, the the the, the villainous stuff that's been happening with him uh, all comes out in that. And but yeah, as I was reading it, I was like, this art is through the roof. Uh, great! It really looks good. like it looks like one of those European albums, like with really detailed art. Uh, really, well, it's stunning. it's good. You, you read this without having read it, and you enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, but we do have all issues one through four on our story arc wall. So if you want to catch nice. up on Daredevil, you can catch up on Daredevil, and I would recommend it. I actually I wasn't sure about it at first, but it has become a run I'm really enjoying. Hmm. You know, there is a scene in this where they go out and they get some ramen. Yeah, and uh, the, the, you know the art and coloring and stuff on that is so good that it actually really looked good. Like and you wanted ramen. I wanted ramen. I still want ramen. Yeah. Can well, somebody I mean, please bring some ramen to the store? <laughs> I don't mean the, the H-E-B stuff. I'm no, talking like a bowl of the, the good Tom stuff. Ramen. Not top ramen. <laughs> but top ramen. The, the top the ramen. Top ramen. Not, a top not a top ramen. I want ramen tatsu. <laughs> yes, yes, please bring um, the ramen tatsu. And then uh, G.I. Joe Real America number 303. This is a continuation of Larry Hama's thing. It's pretty bonkers. There are zombies. There are ninjas. There are cyborgs. And just as a reminder, this is separate from the kind of the current Transformers yeah, right, Joe right. new world that's being built up. You know, with like Robert Kirkman overseeing it. This is the collected connect. Uh, Continuing the vintage GI Joe stuff that began in like 1982, I think. Yep. And uh, yes, as a result, has accumulated quite a bit of insanity. But uh, Larry Hama also still has like a high level of craft, and there's there's a reason people are still following it. Low these like uh, 40 years later. It's in that ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> now, the one thing I'll say, and, and they they're kind of cagey about this letters column. Like, you should. The, Image should reprint the Hama G.I. Joes. Yes, yes like, like sure. Do, do some omnibuses. Do like the Invincible Size Compendiums and yep. get it all on like one or two or three or something. It'd be yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, I have. I bought them all when IEW was doing them. I had them all, but it, it should not be this hard to get Hama's G.I. I feel like on. there's lots of good stuff in it, but in particular, the first 50 or so issues, mm-hmm. really, really quite, quite strong. Some of the, some of the better work coming from Marvel in the 80s. I mean, I it's think. what got all of us into comics. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so if you hate if our podcast, 
blamed Larry Hama. Uh, if you, you and need, what are you doing listening? You need to know about the mercenary named Quinn. You do. Uh, a character uh, who's a, like, frenemy of the Joes, but o- really only in the comics. Yep. You might have seen some toys of him. They eventually got Did around to Did they make an action figure of him? Eventually, yeah. Nick, uh, have they made a new one of him? No, they haven't done a classified version Oh, did they not do that? Ooh, they not a six-inch they one. They should. No. He's got a look. He's got Nick, a weasel. That's a, that's a custom you should build. Yeah. A weasel a... skull necklace, a uh, 50 caliber, like, howitzer. Yes. An air-cooled browning, I believe. Yes, it's his air-cooled um, and, uh, and shorts. What's that? And shorts. And shorts. Yes, shorts. that's right. Uh, although he sometimes he, he did when he was in the Arctic have a big old coat. Oh yeah, I mean, I uh, that. but yes, <laughs> his traditional look makes him look like he's like us uh, on safari. Yes. It does. <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's awesome. He's, and, a, he's uh, a big man. Yeah. Uh, and then last, I want to mention the Incredible Hulk Volume One trade. If you've been following the uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, yeah, the monsters, the monsters run, run that, that is gets its first trade this week. Nice. Uh, all right. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about a bunch of news and stuff. All right, we got a handful of trailers to talk about, and also some uh, various pop culture news. So let's let's dig in. Let's start with this uh, this bit where uh, I like to call Randy's going to be wrong again, but he's going to be very stubborn about it until he's actually proven wrong. Sure. And that is the Daredevil and Netflix canon question. Uh, right. <clears throat> so I, uh, I've i long been on record. I was like, they're not going to bring Charlie Cox back as Daredevil. Right. They're not going to bring Vincent Nafrio back as Kingpin. That's all you not were wrong on both of those. I was wrong on both counts. Yep. Uh, happy to be wrong because I actually like Charlie Cox as Daredevil. I like Kingpin. I don't necessarily want the Netflix stuff to be canon, but I like those ca- like the casting. Well, now, uh, after Echo came out, and we saw a little more Kingpin, a little more Daredevil, and it seems like it's canon. I mean, it's Kingpin's in there, yeah, and it seems to be that Kingpin, yeah. But they have they have definitely they're playing it cagey. Well, uh, Charlie Cox himself said that Born Again will not be a continuation of the Netflix show. Okay. However, the showrunner Brad Winterbaum. Recently said, I can say up to this point we've been a little bit cagey about what's sacred timeline, what's not sacred timeline, and he's like, uh, that was frankly born of a period studio where we we're like we have to stick to the landing with the vendors. There's another part of the company to develop the Netflix stuff. We were aware that we were doing, they were aware of what we were doing. There's a lot of balance anyway. Now that some time has passed. Now that we actually see how well integrated the stories are, I think that I personally, Brad Winterbaum, would be confident saying it is part of the sacred timeline. This launched a million clickbait stories on the internet. Everybody posting, hey, Netflix is canon, it's all canon, and I'm like, okay, it is one dude going out of his way to say, to me personally, it is canon. It's not canon yet, people. Uh, who is that person? That person is Brad, he's the showrunner of Daredevil Born Again, mm-hmm. and a Marvel executive. It's uh, kind of high up in the... I was going to say, that, that does... He that, but it's like, uh, he, he went out of his way to say me personally. He didn't say it's canon. He said, I think it's canon. So it's his head canon, is what yes, you're saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I believe they're going to do what I think they should do, which is cherry pick what worked about Daredevil and not, like, they're not going to directly reference all the Netflix stuff. But it pains you, Randy, if somebody says that it's clearly uh, canon? It does because they have not said that. Everyone wants to jump <laughs> right to. Uh, oh, therefore, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Defenders, that's all in the MCU timeline, and I don't think that's true. Uh, I don't have any uh, horse in this race, so I don't care. That's a good what um, if. But, I'll uh, say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it's part of the multiverse, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I just, 
I think people are jumping to conclusions, and I don't necessarily think the Netflix stuff is strong enough to be part and of the MCU. They are they are going. I mean, they they they're going pretty hardcore with Daredevil, though. Yeah. Um, so much so that they're bringing think, John Bernthal's right. Punisher back, yeah. which, which now means that the Punisher show is probably somewhat coming again. with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're gonna bring aspects of it. I don't know if they'll do verbatim with the Netflix, uh, yeah, but they need know. they needed to get out of jail free card for Iron Iron Fist. Well, let's think. Sure. I think. I think if you, I think if you don't read comics, and if you're just used to movies and TV, then you're like, oh, it's all it's all true. And I'm like, we're used to comics where some stuff is true, and so like something can happen the same issue can be out of continuity with something that is in continuity of the other issue because it's like you got to be a little fuzzy. You can't have everything because there's so many people working on it. You can't right. say it all. It's not all going to make sense if you try to make it all canon. Uh, I think that that's what drives me crazy about people like, well, if this is true, then therefore this works. And then they start doing the, but then this doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, okay, now you're just pulling the threads for no reason. Right. Well, it's, it's just the generation of the internet uh, sleuths that want to be uh, right about everything. Yes. And I get that. I get the inclination. I like, I can fall down that rabbit hole occasionally. Uh, but I don't. With Marvel, I think we just have to be entertained yeah, at this just, point. Just wait and see. Uh, just see don't, what happens. Don't jump in and be like, it's all canon now, it all counts. Here's the good thing. Here's the see. thing about the MCU. They're never great about timelines. No, they're not. Uh, I, and I, you can kind of there, puzzle there's things. Some, there's and some put fuzziness it, in the aging. Yeah, and <laughs> they, you, you can kind of piece it together. But sometimes it's like jamming pieces of a jigsaw puzzle yeah. that you think look like they should go together, so you just kind of pound yeah, on a little bit. There's nothing that drives me crazier <laughs> more than like fan theories of like, they're like, oh, but Tony Stark knew all about the Hulk. And yeah, I'm like, okay, if that makes you happy, that's fine. <laughs> but don't start holding it up as like, when it doesn't come to pass, then you get mad at them. Yeah. Like, that's uh, the thing that drives me crazy. I, I grew up with a regular Marvel and DC comics with their sort of endless retcons and rethinks. Yeah. Soft reboots, hard reboots. Uh, and also with Star Trek, whose many timelines you have to squint at to make work. Yep. Uh, I'm like, they're solidly good about it, but they lots and lots of little issues here and there. Yeah. So I am I am very used to squinting a little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that they are going to decide that the Daredevil miniseries all took place. But it's not exactly... Or some they're version gonna use, of Because, uh, yeah, they're going to use the dude who played Foggy... Or Foggy and, and Heather... That, Foggy and Karen. Uh, or Karen. Karen, yeah, yeah. That's the rumors. The rumor is. Oh, I thought that was... But I Deborah Hill had said that she hadn't been approached for yeah. the longest it's, time, th- so... That is all very much still in rumor camp, because, yeah, she had said she wasn't approached for it. Which, I liked her as Karen. She I was great. Too. I think she'd be great. I, I actually like their Foggy. I, I actually thought too. the casting of the, the Netflix stuff was very on point. No, wait a minute. Didn't... Okay, no. Favreau played Foggy in the in the Daryl movie. Yes. Which is right. definitely not in canon. That is definitely not in canon, except for Deadpool is going to feature Jennifer Garner as Electra. Sure. Right. Deadpool's That's not Deadpool wackiness. Deadpool's multiverse wackiness. Uh, yeah. yeah, this one is, but he'll be he'll be canon soon. No, Nick, Deadpool will never be in the MCU. Uh, <laughs> you keep telling yourself, Cherry I'm Picking. Gonna, I'm going to tell myself <laughs> that until it happens. He's, I know And even coming. then, you're going to be like, I know, no, 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 no. no. Come to the MCU and get killed by Howard the Duck. Yes. How the duck blows Deadpool's head off, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> it just regenerates, it's fine. <laughs> uh, uh, on the other side of like uh, fandom and, and, and giving fans what they want, uh, John Favreau is going to direct a Mandalorian and Grogu movie for Star Wars. This is like theatrical th- release? Yes, yeah, theatrical release. And that's pretty big. Uh, you know, yeah. there, are, there are people who have like never seen like uh, the Disney Plus show, but they know who Baby Yoda Everybody is. Everybody knows Baby Yoda. Yeah. Uh, so, so people would would that 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 stands a 
I think a chance of being like quite the quite a crowd pleasing blockbuster. Oh, I mean, Favreau has Favreau made a bad movie ever? <laughs> All his stuff's pretty good, right? You're, you're talking directing? Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, like I, even even what's his uh, sci-fi Jumanji thing that he did? Uh, oh, uh, some of the Z. Uh, Zathora. I think that's actually supposed to be pretty good. I too. actually really liked Zathora. That I, was good. I think Favreau... Oh, no. Wait, did he make Cowboys and Aliens? He may have made Cowboys and Aliens. Okay, Cowboys and Aliens is a bad movie. I can't remember. Did his... Uh, he did the Jungle Book uh, yeah. live action, right? yeah. which I thought was pretty, was good, pretty good. Uh, but I just I can't remember if it did well. I think it did pretty well. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. a solid thing. I, yeah, yeah I, I think... Favreau's got a pretty good strike rate, and his man, his Star Wars stuff has been pretty good. I uh, so so he's directing. He's directing. Yeah. And do we know anything about like who's writing or anything? No, nope, like no. Nope. Okay. It's, it's just been announced. So, yeah, I uh, I'm I'm up for it. I'm, I'm for it. They're developing a Star Trek Origins movie. Dave, you may know about more about this than I do. Oh, he did the Lion King. Oh, uh, that was terrible. That was awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Star Trek Origins movie in the work for one of the directors of Andor, but not Tony Gilroy. Right, he's just the director, not the show showrunner. Uh, and this is one of those things where uh, I've got a friend. Uh, uh, she she podcasts with Text Trek uh, with us, uh, uh, Rachel, who she um, posted a tech talk to the effect of, "I will believe this is happening when I'm actually <laughs> watching it." Right, and she has a um, uh, my sort of a co uh, podcaster father. He said. She does this video, uh, has that basically that same TikTok about every year, and it's you can basically use the same thing just endlessly <laughs> because they they've been trying to get the the Kelvin universe right, the one that had Chris Pine right, those right. movies. Yeah, yep. They've been trying to do something like with that for what it's like been ten years now. Yes, yeah, yeah. and um, Star Trek Beyond yeah. was the last one. It was good, but yeah. they can't seem to get so all the ducks in the row. Is this Star Trek Four or is this a different movie? I, I thought that I believe there are two there's discussions two. of there's two Star things. Trek Four yeah. and then what is Star Trek Origins? What does that mean? It's, it's like people don't really know, but it is something about like I, I don't know, like an era that I guess would be like the founding of the Federation, which is like Jonathan Archer, aka just, the show just Enterprise, free Enterprise, basically arranged or like that happens in Enterprise. The Federation oh, okay. is founded. Okay. Starfleet's around, but the Federation hasn't happened yet, okay. and it happens in there. Just like I guess, like the rebellion begins in uh, one of those shows, yeah. like Rebels or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, um. Yeah, but it's it, like you know, director of Andor, that, and he's got some other stuff under his belt. Like he's the guy who directed the uh, Black Mirror episode that was spoofed. Trek. Uh, what do they call it? The McAllister. Uh-huh. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that, okay. Or, All right. Um. And I feel like he's directed some Doctor Who and stuff like that. Like he's got a pretty good pedigree. Um. Uh. So you know, if it does happen, cool. But I. You know, um, the more I've heard about it, the less like I, I feel like. Even though this sounded a little more firm than most, it's still kind of a wait and see. It's still on the same wavelength of Quentin Tarantino <laughs> yeah. doing a Star Trek movie. Right, that's not happening. That's definitely not happening. Uh, although I know that the guy who wrote it, I believe, based on his story ideas, because mm. uh, Tarantino didn't write the script itself, said it's like you know one of Tarantino's great concepts. Said like a lot of, uh, lot of feet aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you might as well at that point. <laughs> um, you know, I like the uh, the the or came to like the Kelvin setting. It kind of took it for what it was. You know, the, the sort of more action oriented Star Trek, uh, and and in particular, they did seem to find I think like like a, a somewhat better footing by the uh, the end with uh, Star Trek Beyond. Um, and so I, I like the idea of those actors returning, but you know. They're not getting any younger. <laughs> at, you know, the, at this point, you got to get the story and. Um, Dave, how old were Shatner and them though when they came back to Star Trek? Right, I'm just saying, like they can't do like 
now they have to start doing what they essentially was like the movie verse, you know, was the with, which is like, although Wrath of Khan was was like when they were starting to get older uh, yeah. already, and um, they they did Khan when with little little boy. Man, if they were to come wow. back and, and do a Wrath of Khan level thing for the Kelvinverse, that'd be great for the Kelvinverse. But they already did Wrath of Khan with, uh, what's his name? No, I mean the something good. Batch. As good as Wrath but of they, Khan. But they, oh, like a... Not the story of Wrath of Khan. I thought you were saying literally that thing. No, which they screwed up really badly. I mean, it would be a clever and neat thing to do, because then you actually... If they did a version of those, those sort of very cool-looking marine uniforms, yeah. and and they're like, let's find some other Trek story and make it our own, and but gonna, it, but it'll be taken. They're gonna redo. They're gonna redo Star Trek Four. <laughs> yeah, people always hated the one with the whales. They love the one with the whales. Um, uh, actually, you know, if they were to uh, do a new version of one of the ones that say uh, maligned, like the one, what does God need with a starship? Yeah, which does have that great line and yeah. some other good stuff in it. Yeah. But if they were to uh, reinvent that one for the Kelvin universe or something like that, that well, would actually know, be pretty cool. Strange New Worlds is going to do that because they're using Spock's brother. They're going to they're going to they're going right. to fix Star Trek. But they're doing, essentially doing prequels, prequel right. versions of but it. But I, I bet that they'll fix that story. Probably so. Yeah. So it's uh, um, it's time for uh, what Star Trek's. I don't know what what, what did they do after that. They, then they got to Next Generation. Yeah, stuff. you're right. Uh, the six was six is liked. That was the one that yeah. had uh, the. Uh, four, save the is, save the Klingons. Four is kind of like three is generally like yeah. Uh, they're um, gonna fix the V'ger story. <laughs> <laughs> Man, even that the fandom has 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 rallied back wow. to. God knows why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the uh, Thirty Days Later franchise. Yep. Uh, this is uh, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland. Yep. Twenty eight. Or twenty eight. Twenty eight days later. later. Right. Not yes. thirty days. 20, later. Right, not, not thirty. That's not like thirty rounding. days of night. I was rounding. Uh, <laughs> right. So, 28 Days Later is a great sort of fast zombie movie. It's yeah. not... It's, I, it's, I believe it's, it's considered like the really the first fast was, zombie yeah. movie. Yeah. And even not, if you're going to be like, oh, they're infected, they're, they're not, not true zombies. zombies. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. There's zombies. Then <laughs> yeah. there was 28 weeks by later, way, which... headlined by now Oscar-winning uh, Killian Murphy. Well, yeah, not Oscar-winning uh, just yet. Not Oscar-winning. Oh, uh, what, what did he get? A Golden no, Globe? He or got a Golden Globe. He got a Golden Globe. That's anybody can get a Golden Globe. I got a Golden Globe. Oh, really? Yeah, I stole it from. Uh, I beat. I, I beat up uh, Kelsey. <laughs> I stole it from Killian Murphy. <laughs> about two days ago, Kelly like Murphy and Christopher Eccleston didn't Eccleston play like the yeah, Eccleston's a, a kind like, of a crazy military yep, guy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we we all really like Twenty Eight Days Later. Then we all saw Twenty Eight Weeks Later in the theater and hated and, it. Uh, and yeah. basically started doing MST3K on the in the theater. It was yeah. terrible. It was bad. Yeah, that's how bad it was. I do know that there's a certain fandom for that movie, but God knows but why. Wrong. Um, the the best the, the one notable part about it is the brief the handoff opening sequence that Danny Boyle did direct yeah, yeah. which is a uh, oh and it has the first that, ten minutes who, who's that good actor who's in it Robert Carlyle yeah uh, and he's he's good yeah. uh, there's good people and then it in turns it. into terrible movie very silly very dumb anyway so now they're doing twenty eight years later right uh, which um, let's see this um, I, I was just trying to figure out if the if, like looks, looks the, the world after they've survived the, the I was trying to figure out if it's actually it's not we're, we're not 28 years from when it came out but we're not too far from that not no. super far we're, we're like 20 years out yeah um, yeah because that movie was like in I don't know 2003 or something like was that was it 2000 okay 2002 2002 yeah okay. 
Apparently, I think 2002 is the 90s, because we were looking at another movie up, and I was like, that was a 90s movie, it was 2002. Yeah, it's, <laughs> stuff's weird. It's all the 90s. That's weird. So, it, the original was directed by Danny Boyle, uh, and written by Alex Garland. So, I did not know Alex Garland wrote that. So, this is yeah. a return to for both those people okay. to right. 28 uh, years later. Did also, like, did Alex Garland write this 28 weeks later? I don't think he did. I don't know. Double check have. that for me if you could, Nick. He might have. Um, but Alex Garland is best known for uh, what his other movies like what Annihilation, Annihilation and mm-hmm. what else? Uh, did he do Arrival? I was thinking he might have done Arrival. Or am I mixing no, that up with Denis Villeneuve? No, five other people uh, wrote on a screenplay for that 28 Weeks sense. Later, and that Alex makes, Garland was not among them. That makes uh, okay. a lot of sense, actually. Um, yeah, uh, Alex Garland is a guy who's written some things I like. Um, I feel like did he also like write some video game or something? Um, I, I know he did that TV series Devs, right? I know, Ex Machina, Annihilation, Men, uh, Sunshine, right? Sunshine's a good movie. That's another collaboration with Danny um, Danny Boyle. Um, hang on, I'm looking. I, I know he wrote some video game. Oh, that's that's interesting. Um, that, that, this is a weird one. This is a game that most people haven't played called Enslaved. Odyssey to the West. It was an oh, Xbox right. 360 game that had uh, motion capture and voice from uh, who's the Gollum guy? Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, I was a fan, um, but um, he also wrote or co-wrote Dread, which is interesting. Uh, okay, that's notable. That's that's a good movie. So he's definitely been around doing so, some stuff. Okay. Right. So 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 like I think there's a shot at this. Danny Boyle's a good director. Yep. This guy has written some good stuff and a, and a few eh things, um, or things that I didn't take for me. Uh, I don't know if they should go back to, you know, the franchise. I had one really amazing movie, and, you know, maybe just let it be, but I'm, I'm willing to uh, they, give them some already, benefit of the doubt. They already spoiled a bit of the sequel, so it's time to redeem it with a third sequel. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the way. Maybe what that's what the else way. has Danny Boyle done? Uh, Sunshine? Slumdog Millionaire? Slumdog okay, Slumdog Millionaire. That's uh, I did that he's... one. What's the one where uh, James Franco got his arm stuck oh, in a rock? 127 Hours. That was 127 oh. Hours. Oh, Train Spotting. Train Spotting. Well, I believe is generally a pretty good director. He's a pretty good yeah, striker. He's, he is. He's pretty good. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this, this. Oh, he also did. Uh, did he do The Beach with uh, DiCaprio? I don't know if that's a great one. It's okay. Okay. But he, uh, oh, he did yesterday. Yeah, that dude has a he has a wide variety. He, he he's he's like there are two Danny Boyles, just like horror, sci-fi Danny Boyle, and musical comedy Danny Boyle. <laughs> yeah, one of his lesser and one spotting Danny Boyle. Yeah, one of his lesser lesser known is Life Less Ordinary. Is one of my mm-hmm. one of my yeah, favorite good, movies yeah. as a kid. By the way, did you guys see that Train Spotting Two is called T Two? No, yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> T Two is Terminator Two. They you can't call it T Two Trans. That's this is a this is a this is a British movie. They don't they don't care about our dumb no. American explosions. No, wrong. <laughs> I think I need to to go out of my way and watch Sunshine. I've never watched. Yeah, it. I've never watched either. Uh, yeah, uh, both movie both challenge should, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Movie challenge is happening in in, in uh, February. Oh, is it? It's getting yeah. to be February. Cool. Yep, I need to. I was I've just got thinking. the categories. I just need to uh, to, to, to announce it. Get on it. I'm ready to start my planning. All right. All right. Fair enough. That's it's a good idea. <laughs> All right. Um, this is mostly going to be of interest to Dave, as he loves the elves. Uh, <laughs> they are working on an ElfQuest animated series at Fox. Right, ElfQuest. Uh, just just for those who don't know, uh, a series that like an, in, an independent comic series that uh, has now been through a number of different publishers, but was a 
really impressive creator-owned fantasy work. One of the really the, one of the first great fantasy works in comics, if not the first big one outside of like I don't know Conan comics. But this told a singular story that over what would be about three graphic novels uh, had like its big. You know, it it was like what the Star Wars trilogy was to sci-fi for the movies. This was to fantasy and comics. Right. Did that and really come out in 1978? It's been around for a while. Yeah, since the 70s. Uh, it was originally a black and white magazine that they How self-published. How has this not been turned and into they, something they, prior I mean, they were trying to, to this. this forever, right? This is... I mean, you know, there's lots of things like you know, after Lord of the Rings, lots of fantasy projects got approached. But a lot of them flop too, so yeah. you know they're they just it just doesn't always get made. These are and also tribal indigenous kind of elves, a little bit yeah, of a vibe. They're elves, uh, you know. Wendy Penny, the artist on it, it was a husband and wife team that produced it, and uh, they uh, th- it imagined a world that's set actually in Earth's prehistory, like as if this could have really happened. Uh, you know, at the time when there's like uh, ice age humans running around, um, and also like you know, mammoths and things like that. Yeah. But that there were these little secret enclaves of elves that uh, there's there's a sort of reveal about their origin and stuff. But they uh, they are trying to... The reason it's called ElfQuest is because it literally begins with a group of them that are sort of forest dwellers. They ride wolves and stuff. They're kind of more feral. And uh, they, they, they have a sort of pact with, like, a little tribe of go- goblins that live in caves nearby... But uh, was it humans come? They think that they're demons, and they burn down the forest that they're in, and they're forced to flee. And they're like looking for any other signs of elves. So that's literally the elf quest concept uh, early on. And uh, unfortunately, they are driven into the desert, and that becomes the the first big thing that they have to deal with. Uh, so there's this sort of survival elements. Uh, there's love and fighting and secrets revealed. Uh, surprising, occasionally sexual element, even some polyamorous stuff that was not uh, your standard comics in the eighties. Ahead of its time, yeah. Um, and uh, and a, a really memorable cast of characters. Like it's very easy to the the wolf riders that that are the sort of lead tribe of elves in it have maybe twelve or so, maybe maybe a few more members. And of the main ones, it's like almost anybody is going to find a favorite in there or one that they think looks very cool. Um, and there's a visual style that looks a little anime-ish. It was influenced by anime at a time when most people didn't know what anime was. Yeah, they have the sort of the, the larger eyes, but it's also clearly not anime or manga. Uh, anyway, the big thing that they did recently with the property is they did a uh, like a podcast or a uh, an audio play sort of version of it, which was pretty <laughs> well done. But like, I know the story so well, I kind of didn't. I wasn't super into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it's it was a very faithful adaptation with a good voice cast, um, and this is uh, is it animation? Yes, yes. Fox okay. Animation, which you know that's that's decent. Yeah, um, I actually think it could potentially translate really well. Um, I, I I I'm curious how faithful they'll be, what they'll change. I don't think there's honestly a whole lot you need to change, um, but you know I thought that they might have actually. Like it is like the, the audio play was almost verbatim, and there's some stuff I might have like updated, you know, essentially script polishing and things like that with a sort of modern eye. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to see it and happy to see more attention for it. Uh, I don't know who has the license currently. Dark Horse, I guess. Still? Dark Horse, Dark Horse still has still. it. Yeah. I wish they would have the get back in some version of the color. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, versions, at least the early ones. 
Uh, they do these nice black and white volumes, so if somebody wants to read those original three stories, they're now all contained in one big volume. Like you can. I, I have to wonder if that's like the Peony's preference or something that they don't like the colors. I think that is the case. I think that they that she's like you know this was a black and white story and you know how was it was it was originally conceived and drawn. But people like color. The people like color, and that's one of the things that drew me to it when I first got those early graphic novels, which had I thought very beautiful coloring. And these were these were a weird thing where you, when graphic novels were not a thing yet in the eighties, mm-hmm. there was just like a handful. Like oh, they we reprinted the Death of Phoenix and the Origins of Marvel yep. Comics by Stan Lee yep. and a few like that. They didn't even call them graphic novels at that point, I don't think. But ElfQuest was something you could find at like bookstores, like Walden yeah. Books would ha- or B Dalton Books. I think I had a little novelette of, of ElfQuest. Yeah, 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 they did. They did do a thing of short stories, and they. Um, uh, yeah, you'd find it in the sci-fi section with about like uh, some probably some books on Frazetta art and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wish it well. If if it does well, I will for sure be all about it. Uh, one last bit of news before we get to trailers. Uh, Noah Hawley has explained that the Prometheus Covenant <laughs> stuff will not be in his Alien show. That's the. Um, uh, Oh uh, yeah, Prometheus and, and is, it, is it called Prometheus? Alien Covenant. And Alien Covenant, right? Yeah. And and not he did not say in the trailer because he's working with Ridley Scott. He didn't say what I would have said, which is because it's crap. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, he said that that Prometheus and Covenant, you know, they introduced the bioengineers and this kind of yeah. thing, and then a, a new story for the aliens, and they came out. But also, they had like weird holographic technology and all this kind of stuff. And he was saying in his show, he wants the sensibilities of the like clunky. Yeah. The seventies, seventies look that 70s they had futurisms. in Alien, and I actually think that's a great that's a great sign for this. Yeah, anybody who played, by the way, the Alien Isolation game knows that that seventies uh, retro futurism now is, is what it looks like. Yeah. It's supposed to take place. is really a really good vibe. This is like twenty real... years before Alien. Oh, interesting. Oh, is it before Alien? It I thought before it was before Alien. I thought it was after Aliens. I, as Does I it in fact feature it, the Aliens? Because I thought that was when they were first discovered. As I understand it, it's, it's a little weird. I think it takes place on Earth and is uh, prior to the Alien movies somehow. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, you can always say that they, something incident happened and it was just covered up or yeah. a nuke went off and wiped it out or who oh, knows. So yeah, series will serve as a prequel and will be set three decades before the events of the 1979 okay. Alien. Yeah. Well, um, I, yeah. I, so the the thing here is Noah Hawley has uh, an immense amount of trust for me yeah. because Fargo is one of the best shows on television, and Legion when he was doing it was one of the best adaptations of X Men that's ever been done. Um, he he does great TV. Nick, I know you really like the the Unusuals that he yeah, did. Yeah, the Unusuals was which a lot of fun. Is not streaming anywhere. I would watch it. He also worked on uh, Bones, if I'm not mistaken. Did he really? First couple okay. of seasons of it. Huh. Yeah. Um, he is one of the best guys doing TV, and uh, I think his Alien is going to be fascinating. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this quite often in some way, shape, or form, but it's it's the one format, TV is the one format where I could kind of, uh, I guess maybe video games too, <laughs> uh, be interested in the Alien's property again. Well, we're going to get an no Alien show, and then we're going to get a movie this year as well. I'm interested in the movie, maybe. though. It's, it's Romulus. There's some, some interesting stuff we've been hearing The about. guy who's directing it is an interesting person, too. Yeah. So. What's the premise of the movie? I, I don't remember, but we, there's enough there's enough interesting stuff that's come out of it that I kind of am looking forward to it now. Like, um, I'm going to so let you all throw yourself on that sword. We, we talked about it a little bit. I, I understand the skepticism, believe me. Uh, <laughs> after seeing Prometheus in the theater, I, I swore off Alien for a long time. So It's Fede it's, Alvarez who did 
Oh, he did Don't Breathe and Evil Dead and yeah, yeah. A, a couple of like and, kind of darker stuff. And it's supposed to take place between Alien and Aliens. Yep. Okay. Um, and it is like all new characters and stuff. So we'll see. I think it's possible this could is be Is that good. the one that has Timothy Oliphant or is that the show? That's uh, the show. The show has Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. Um, Holly's I think has a little more interest for me, but I love the setting of Alien, even though... And I've found things to like in the Prometheus, and I've never watched Alien Covenant, I probably never will. Yeah. Uh, but there's some concepts in the Prometheus that are okay. Dave's shaking his head. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about our trailers, which are uh, all a variety <coughs> of horror trailers, really. Yep. Um, let's start with the first Omen, which uh, is a... a, a prequel, prequel to The Omen. To the who, Omen who here has seen the original Omen? Never seen I've seen it. the original Omen. I have to. I've never seen it. It's it was, really, a, it was like interesting. The 70s. It had like some big names in it. It had Gregory, Gregory Peck, Peck and somebody else. And Oh, and Damien, and, the son of Satan. And yes, Damien, the son yeah, of Satan. They, 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 didn't like a regular couple has a baby and it turns out it's the son of Satan? I believe that's right. They're, well, they're... There's a little secret 666 in his hair. They have a baby. He does. They're in a yeah. hospital and I believe their kid is... Killed and switched out for Damien. Uh, oh, they switch the switcheroo. Classic yeah. Damien swap. If, I, if, I, if my memory is remembering oh, okay. correctly, I, I, I guess I in my head I assumed it was must have been like and a it was like the, baby kind of thing. And then he grows up and starts doing horrible things. And he's yes. being like ushered in by like various members of a satanic cult that kind of right. pose as like Some a nanny. Some of were very very afraid of. Well, this. and Gregory yes, Peck is a uh, is he like. An attaché or something to England or I forget oh, what, man. but he's like he's affiliated with the American government, yeah. and uh, and that was sort of like the end thinking that because ultimately, uh, Damien Peck was Atticus Finch, right? Yes, he should be able to take care of a devil child. Right, just kick him, kick him in the face. Yeah, this also, but he also give us give a speech give about a speech. about uh, America finding its right path. Again. Yeah, he uh, kicks the de- son of the devil uh, to death and then gives a speech. <laughs> Ultimately, and then has a beer and cheats on his wife. Also, <laughs> I think the series goes on to the third one, which has Damien as an adult, as played by Sam Neill, right. uh, who Weird. is like a. I believe he's like on a political path. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's going to become the. Con- the he's president. becoming the president. So, yeah. this apparently two two real people. We already we've already yeah, seen this yeah. happen. This apparently is a prequel. So and, I don't and know. It's all backwards. And it's all it's backwards. Prequel. So it's he's he's really in the womb the whole time. The teaser is well. Weird. I guess it Every, could everyone. be the 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 baby that is given to Gregory Peck. Uh, which would be so. my my so, expectation. You know, here's the weird thing: it's like a build a bear, build a build, baby, yeah, build a baby. <laughs> we all we all know like Molly Cruz, whole crazy like you know playing backwards backwards to summon the devil, all this shit. Yeah. So somehow they decided the clever thing to do was in the trailer. Everybody's walking backwards and doing everything backwards, and the dialogue is well, backwards. it's very satanic. I, mean, I it was weird. I, I did this did nothing for me. Well, it's just a teaser trailer, so yeah, it's really it's just like atmosphere of. Like, uh, like what, nuns walking around somewhere, or there was some kind of clergy... Yeah, it was like, nuns, uh, which I assume, and, like, a nun gets uh, seduced by the dark side and, beca- and you know, becomes impregnated sure, by hot. the devil. Very hot. <laughs> Very hot. Um, H-A-W-T. Hot. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I don't remember. Everything else was just kind of, like, flavor. Uh, spooky looking. I feel like... Then be- there was somebody who had, like, a possessed evil grin on their face. Yeah, and, yeah. 
after this weekend when I watched Exorcist Believer, I believe I've become disenfranchised with uh, horror prequels or, yeah. or sequels. You don't like franchises? Uh, man, <laughs> that that was a horrible movie. And yeah. uh, this one does this like you. Not the trailer as good didn't do as um, what's the one that has Russell Crowe? No, God, Pope's Exorcist was like a million times better than, uh, than the Exorcist. It believer. wishes it could be the Pope's Exorcist. It, um, it did not feature Russell Crowe riding around on a little. Uh, <laughs> what does he ride on? Scooter. Yeah, it's a scooter, but it's like a Vespa. He rides around on the Vespa. It's yeah. very fun. Hard ass priest rides a Vespa. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, anyway, yeah, I like. Uh, here's the thing: I actually think that that's a, it's a solid atmosphere trailer. Yeah. But I think it's a movie that I I would only ever go see this movie if it got like pretty really strong reviews. Just I don't even like the original Omen that much. Oh, do you not? No, I think the original I, one's solid. I think it's kind of a weirdly overrated movie with kind of like sort of mid writing. Like, like I think the the star power and like it has like a good soundtrack. I think it's like got the all the makings of what should be dogs. something as good as Exorcist, and it's got some memorable scenes in it. Yeah, I just think it's like it's to me it's like half the movie Exorcist is um, <laughs> that nanny like uh, basically killing herself on the balcony. It's all for you, Damien. Uh, yeah, that's true. It, was, it definitely has some really memorable scenes. Got some memorable scenes, yeah. <laughs> well, this trailer had no memorable scenes. No, I no, mean, you know. <laughs> Alright, what's the next trailer? Uh, the next up is Abigail, which is from the directors of Scream 6 and, and Ready, Ready or Not. Not. Uh, these, these guys have definitely earned my uh, my cred. I've, I've liked their stuff quite a bit. And this trailer looks like a ton of fun. Yeah. It's a red band trailer uh, that uh, yep. goes a little heavy on, like, F-bombs. Yep. So basically, uh, basically these uh, these criminals, uh, these 20-something criminals, kidnap a little girl. Right. They're like they're, they're sort of hired by, like, what seems like a ringleader. Yep. Giancarlo Esposito. And they're like, he's like, all you got to do is look, presumably watch over this girl for, like, a weekend or whatever. A night. And, yeah. then, and then we, uh, then we, the money rolls in then from we, the rich we, people. Yeah, we'll get the money from her billionaire, her millionaire father or whatever. Well, but there's a twist. Turns out she's a vampire. Yep. Yes. Like they, the the house like locks down. You know, in that way that like oh, I don't know what was that movie? Uh, ha, ha, not Hunting, Lock, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. The remake of House on Haunted yeah. Hill in particular has some like windows and stuff that all locked down. Yep. And uh, I want to get a house like that. By the yeah. way, yeah, just yeah. fun. Yeah. It's just fun. Sure. Um, <laughs> and um, like one person comes to the door and I go into lockdown <laughs> mode. Just um, any Mormons at all. Uh, no, yeah. So, so the girl is like a little little vampire girl. She's she's kind of frequently seems to be dressed as like a ballerina, a ballerina because she's like a little ballerina student too. And she starts hunting them. And she starts hunting them, but she's like a ballerina all covered in blood and you know doing yep. little monster kid stuff. Uh, and it's definitely. You, you know, um, it's riffing on the Dusk and Dunn's uh, interview with the vampire. Sure, character. sure. But also, I think a little bit on that Dusk Till Dawn sort of yeah. vibe of like, oh, yeah. this looks like it was a kidnapping movie. But they went ahead. This is a movie where it's revealed in the trailer. Yeah, um, it's got edge. It's got a little bit of humor. It seems. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there's definitely going to be some dark humor about these people that are like, I can't believe. I recognize that this one, is a vampire. One <laughs> of the women in there was the girl from Freaky. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so. I, I, I trust this director. Yep, I mean, uh, yep. he's got good I think energy. Ready or not, so overrated trash. Man, are you, you heard wrong. me. You heard God, me. God, that movie's fun. But you're wrong, though. Yeah, I mean, I know you like the trash. <laughs> Even Randy likes some so bad they're good movies. Uh, no, that movie's good. 
Uh, anyway, I'm the this, one who likes trash. <laughs> this, this looks this looks entertaining to me. I'm 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 in. I didn't I, know I was going to listen to confession. <laughs> I'm a little like a raccoon for via, for for, listen, for I'm, movies. I like some trash too. Uh, <laughs> I just like different trash. Um, <laughs> and then the last movie is uh, you know we're all big Adam Sandler fans. <laughs> I will say that. I'm an Adam Sandler fan when he goes outside of his traditional comedy. I actually think uh, that that Uncut Gems was like one of the best movies of the year it came out. And I so. still recommend people watching Punch Drunk Love. It's yep. a so great movie. This is more in his serious vein. This is called Spaceman. Yep. That's a movie on Netflix. By the way, that title sounds like goofy Adam Sandler it stuff. Does. Yeah, it does. I'm a spaceman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it is not that. This uh, looks he's, like a. He's playing a Russian cosmonaut. Who has left his pregnant wife behind and is like isolated in space, and then he either hallucinates or meets a spider alien. He's yeah. having delusions. There's definitely a like the vibe in this is not like oh no I'm being hunted by a spider alien. It's a I am a melancholy sad person who is collapsing in on uh, you know uh, myself uh, mentally like depression <laughs> and and experiencing depression and sadness. And, and he somehow, sees this somehow weird... that depression calls out to a, another being is what right. the kind or of... he's hallucinating or he's hallucinating yeah. and uh, it's or like, some weird combination. It's of... a spider alien voiced by uh, Paul Dano, yeah. right? And he seems to he's not like being threatening. No, he's he wants to help. He wants to help. It seems like and they go on a voyage together. And yeah, you're like um, uh, th- this is one of these movies that I feel like. Elements of I don't know being John Malkovich or yeah, something like that yeah. or oh what what's the one Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless if, Mind if you told some me- kind of weird slightly sci-fi ish high concepts but in the end this is going to be some kind of a story that's very much about people and, and if you stuff. told me this was like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie I'd believe yeah, totally, it yeah, yep. but it yeah. is from the director who did uh, Chernobyl not the right, not the, the writer of yeah, it yeah, but, but the director, but the director show, yeah. of it I'd say of the trailers we saw this is the one that I'm interested in yeah uh, I, I think it looks really interesting I'm uh, more than Abigail but that's because I'm adult. <laughs> That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> no, like actually, I, I know I know most people liked Ready or Not, and I liked parts of Ready or Not. Abigail uh, is a good popcorn flick. I think it's going to be entertaining. Yeah. This one uh, is going to pop up on Netflix in March, and it might make you think a little. bit. Honestly, the Netflix of it all is what makes me nervous. Because Netflix has made a lot of really nice. Yeah, that's movies. fair. That's they've fair. They've also had some high. Have they, they? They've hit some hits. I'll talk about one uh, in a minute. Okay, because everything I've watched from them has been at best okay. I'm trying to think of I, any movie they've done that is like, uh, like the killer, great, great creative team, great, just not just an okay movie. Uh, Leave the world behind, just okay movie. Like I, the, both of those are some one of some of my favorites from last really, year. Really, I think yes. those are all middling movies. Oh man, you are so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is the podcast where we all turn on each other. I'm, I'm going to reach out to David Fincher and he's going to punch you. <laughs> uh, he might, but then I'm going to be like, hey. Why don't you finish up your uh, murder show that I wanted to watch? <laughs> he wants to come punch me. I'll make it. I'll make him give us another season of uh, what's that show, Dave? That we liked, um, Mind Hunter. Mind Hunter. Dave yeah. really liked the Burt Box. I did really like Burt Box. Box. Is fine. It's fine. We'll see how uh, Beverly Hills Cop Axel. F- it's gonna be fine. <laughs> uh, I I struggled to find a Netflix movie that I loved. I I think I really liked um, the, Sea Beast uh, the, was great. Uh, sea Beast. Okay, that's animated. That's different. Marriage Story was great. I don't believe you. Okja was great. I don't believe you. It's Bong Joon Ho. I know there's lots of good people making mediocre movies. Did they make Power of the Dog? Mm. I just saw this on a. uh, Oh, this is a popular. It's a list of popular Netflix original movies. Okay, so it might be. Now, now, I I don't know if I don't know if that's true or not. I I think it might have gotten a theatrical release. Um, 
Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Just okay. No, great movie. No. Did you like Dolomite Is My Name? Uh, I did like Dolomite Is My uh, Name. Was Gerald's Game a Netflix original? Yes. Okay, oh, man, fine. Gerald's Game is great. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Flanagan can do Trial it Trial of Chicago 7. That was pretty good. That was, uh, that was, that was pretty good. good. All right. All right. They, uh, but I, I they think, attract a lot of good but, people. But where, where people, Randy but they is mostly do mediocre stuff. Where Randy is right is that the average is leaned toward mediocre yeah. or bad. So I hope that this will be good. But I don't believe it till I see it. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll report back and tell you who is right and who is dead. Absolutely. <laughs> we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna come back and talk about uh, some movies and a board game and uh, some TV. I think. start this week by talking about the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yes. Uh, the Hunger Games. Yes. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. This is a prequel to the Hunger Games. It's uh, the origin story of evil President Snow. Yes. Who you may remember was played by Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Yes. And here is played by a good looking British man. Yes. Whose name I don't know. I was a little... When this first... When the book first showed up, I yeah. was like... Why are we getting an origin story for a horrible, horrible human yeah. being? Right. And then they made a movie, and I was like, "Why are we getting a movie I, about I a saw, horrible, horrible human being?" Times, and I was like, "This looks okay," but then y'all watched it, and the buzz was generally good. And you were curiously long movie, by the way, about like two two forty. It, it is a little long, and honestly, they could have cut out that last third. Um, yeah, I kind of liked it as it was, though. I um, kind of like sometimes you like a bloated mess. And this yeah. is not a mess. Yeah, no. Uh, it is a little bloated. It is a little bloated. But what, <laughs> what got me into it was Dave mentioning that there's like a bunch of, it's almost like a, a oh secret, brother where art thou. Right, uh, a secret bluegrass yeah, movie. Yeah, bluegrass movie. And because, that is kind of true because it is depicting the 10th Hunger Games at a time when they've been doing it for a while, but it's kind of on the wane. Yeah, people aren't sure they like it. And well, what happens is... Well, it hadn't become the Hunger Games that we know. It was just kind of a, a free-for-all. It wasn't, like, to the height. It was, at this point, just a punishment, and it was, like, basically they brought a bunch of kids in, and they killed each other, and that was it. Yes. Yeah, and I think I think people... Most people have watched or read the Hunger Games, but if you haven't, it's, you know, one of those dystopian futures, but where a one singular city, the capital, um, uh, after, after knocking down a rebellion of, I think... 12, 13? Uh, so I think 12 other districts. districts. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They, like, nuked one of the districts. That's yeah, why there was, that was a district 13 13 one. Right. Was, but it's gone. And sort of. they, um, uh, but every year, uh, as sort of punishment and humiliation to the districts, they uh, have these sort of, uh, you know... Uh, tributes. Tribu- tributes, but, like, what, what's the the Japanese movie that's kind of like... Uh, Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Yeah. Um, thing where young young two kids from each of the districts have to kind of fight you know in a wilderness or something like that to the death, and uh, they 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 put it on TV and they make it this big spectacle of it and people like bet on it and like you, you everybody has to watch it it's like a forced thing so like uh, you have to like accept the punishment against your districts and even you're supposed to get into it like it's a sport. And this was the movies where the, there was some of the movies where Jennifer Lawrence became Jennifer Lawrence, yep. like big superstar. Yep. It's so, a stack, I mean, the Hunger Games was a stacked cast. It, yeah. it, it, it had a lot of people that are 
popular now. And, and I like the books. I actually enjoyed the books. Yeah. I never read them. There, there's, they're an interesting take on kind of like, you know, like, uh, obviously there's like a little bit of a YA vibe because there's some romance. Sure. Who's, who's, what boy is she going to choose and all that stuff. But they're also decent meditations on fascism and class warfare yep. and how people in power try to divide anyone under them because it's like, oh yeah, all these districts are like, trying to like uh you know rally behind their own tributes in, in this and, and, and stuff like that when really the capital is the enemy yeah yeah um so this capital is the enemy yeah, which, uh, yeah. i wonder if that could have something uh so this is um snow is that they are just in the 10th year they're introducing the uh the what do they call them the minders the oh, mentors right. mentors yeah and, some... and snow is a his family has fallen out of favor he is like Pretend rich, exactly, yeah. exactly. And They're like is, they could they could lose it all, and he is trying to sort of get. He wants to be the successful mentor because that will get him a scholarship. Yep, into the space university. I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, it's, and he wants to be recognized by uh, Viola Davis's character, who is the game master. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. But for some reason, he's on the bad side of the is the current president. That's uh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage's character. He, or is he the head of the games? Or I, I think he is. I think he is the head of the games. And there, Basically, there's, there's a kind of neat reveal, yeah. which I did not yeah. know was the case yeah. at the very end about him. Yeah, um, Peter Dinklage is always good. He's 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 really good in this in that role. So anyway, yeah, young Snow, who's like what twenty or something yeah, like that, or eighteen, like that, yeah, uh, becomes one of a, a number of what students. They're yes. like. They're uh, at like Hunger Game Academy. Hunger Game Academy. <laughs> Wait, why, why? Why do they? What does that mean? I don't know, but they all seem to be like they're they're there to like I, develop uh, the Hunger Games. I mean, it's the graduating class, and instead of, the of capital, yeah, it's part of their kind of graduation that they were supposed to just get. Like one person was supposed to get a scholarship, and then that was changed. That whoever. Uh, m- was mentoring the person who won the Hunger Games would get the scholarship. Right. That was sort of uh, Peter Dinklage's twist. So it's almost time. like a bunch of graduate students yeah. Yeah. Get, be, being given the role of training a person from each of the 12 districts. Or, I mean, a, a, is it a person? Single person? Yes. Yeah, they each, they each, they each, get, one they each get one person. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so Snow gets assigned this person named Lucy Gray. Yep. yep. And so she is ostensibly from District 12, but in fact... She is part of a group of like traveling musicians, right? And she just happened to be in in yeah, a little reflective of like the real world, like Romani people, yeah. yeah. And, and when you get Rachel Zegler, you get good music because she's got a fantastic voice, right? What what, what did she what did she do before this? She did uh, in the Heights, in the Heights, oh, right. right? Yeah, um, and uh, and yeah. So this is this is like you said, Randy. This is what kind of brought you into it, and I was very impressed with it, even though I'm not like. I don't like love to pieces country music, but like good, good uh, bluegrass, old school country, like country from the heart, not mm-hmm. like pop country. Yeah, is like can be really amazing because I think of it as just like it's a it's almost like the has a it's analogous to the blues in a lot of ways. Yeah, and uh, she is like uh, like a folk singer, almost like a uh, like Woody Guthrie would be. Yeah, um, but like you know, kind of more listenable tunes and uh, really. Really stunning voice yeah. from Rachel and Ziegler. Hotter than Woody Guthrie. Hotter than Woody Guthrie. I Depends. mean, unless you're a real Woody Guthrie head. You know, he wasn't ugly. He was a little <laughs> ugly. Um, uh, she, um, what does she do to set herself up? She is not Katniss, but she. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very different. She is a very different kind of character. Yeah, because she's almost. She's not. She's not defenseless, but she doesn't fight really. She's not a fighter. Yeah, uh, right. but. 
Snow is basically giving her uh, uh, abilities to sort of win because he wants to win. So he's, in right. a way, kind of cheating his way right. through some and stuff. And there's some interesting complications. Like, one of his other uh, the graduate student type people uh, type person is like almost like a... He'd be the equivalent of like a wealthy activist. Yeah. Uh, everybody kind of thinks he's like, oh, he's like you know, uh, like, I don't know, like Sean Penn or something like that. The kind of people that sometimes get made fun of on South Park, like, oh, he's a rich liberal who just, you know, he's he just doesn't know how the real world works or whatever. Right. In a lot of ways, he could be construed like a sympathizer because he kind of feels that he would have been picked. Right. And right. he would have been in the Hunger Games if not for his father, who is kind of a high muckety-muck that right. sort of uh, paid off government officials to keep him out of things. So we don't need to spell out the whole no. plot, but the, this is like, this is not the extended Hunger Games thing of like, uh, it was in like Jennifer Lawrence's movies where they like have days and days and days of racing across the countryside and no, fighting no, like a weekend, yeah. It's over in like a weekend and it's like in a specific like building, like it's, what was it? Yeah, was it? it's like a coliseum kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But, was it a zoo? It, it, it might looked, be, It yeah. looked a little like... The, the Hunger Games here are, it's almost like they're, they're developing and they're smaller. This is right. the story of snow and how it becomes bigger and right, his journey from like because snow uh, makes it into a spectacle idealist right. to becoming the president of evil right Clark now here's Town. like here's the thing I think uh, all of us would agree uh, fascists need the guillotine they do but um, and so here we've got a guy who is presented somewhat sympathetically but always I think realistically shown to be kind of in it for himself he's yeah. Yeah. he's 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 very self interested in it yeah. he's he's helping her because it helps him yep but there there is a romantic spark between them yep and and uh the third act of the movie, like the whole last like forty five minutes or something yeah. like that, takes place after the games. Yeah, uh, and there's some interesting things that happen that has to do with kind of loyalty and rebellions and um, it's and how does Snow get to the breaking point of like being like just screw it to kind of whatever good so- good things that this had been bringing out in it was him. an interesting character set. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it had a lot to like about it. I think. Yeah, it, it works. I, I I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it, and a lot of and a lot of a lot of good songs from Rachel Ziegler yeah. throughout. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it because it was like in, in many ways quite different from the other Hunger Games movies. Uh, so I want to real quick talk about Tales to Amaze, which uh, is a board game that I played this weekend. Uh-huh. This is the unmatched co-op game. Oh right, right. Uh, unmatched is that. the one where you would normally normally like two players would kind of square off mono e mono two to three. Two to three with some uh, characters that were either from classic fiction like Robin Hood or King Arthur or, or some modern type characters like... They have license. They have a Buffy license. Marvel. Marvel they a lot of the Marvel characters. Yeah. And yeah, so... You have, gotta, you, do you every, have a hand of cards? Every character has a miniature and a deck of cards. And basically it's a miniatures combat game. Uh, and you basically... You, your cards, you can move around. Uh, on your turn you can move. If you move, you have to draw a card. Yep. And your cards are attack, defense, or like special moves... And you can play one card per turn. You can basically move twice, or move an attack, or attack twice. So that's that's essentially right. your. Everybody's got some cool cards that reflect whoever they are. Yep. Like if you were playing Alice in Wonderland, which they've got a version of, she's got like the Vorpal Blade, yep. or she can call on the Cheshire Cat to distract opponents and, and stuff and like that. A lot of characters have like uh, minions that they're a little yeah. that go with them, like 
Um, Dracula has the three brides. Dracula has the three brides. I kind of think yep. we will also move and do special things. Am I remember correctly? This one has Nikola Tesla. Is that? Uh, yes. So the deal with this also, when you run out of cards, you start taking. You have a da- you have a damage dial. Yeah. If your damage dial goes to zero, your game ends, and that's it. Um, and if you run a card, you start taking damage when you're supposed to draw cards. So that's that. You got to wrap it up quick. Yeah. If so that it's, it's a pretty quick play game. So in this one. You and uh, up to three other players are working together against uh, either the Mothman and his, his uh, <laughs> or the Martians. Okay. And um, generic play, Martians. Uh, yeah, generic Martians. Not like H.G. Wells Martians no, no, no. or okay. Or um, and their their minions that they have are the Skunk Ape. Um, okay. The Blob. Okay. Oh, fun. Um, the uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of all. So Skunk Ape must be from something. I'm sure it uh, is. The Tarantula, so a giant spider. Yep. Um, Jersey Devil. Yep. And something else, another urban legend type. Okay. Um, so these are your these are your opponents. You check. You choose four of them if you play. You, play, you choose one per character. Uh-huh. Those are the minions. And then Mothman or the the uh, the UFOs are like that's the main guy, and they have a lot of, a lot of health. Uh huh. And the Mothman is trying to destroy these four bridges. That's the that's the timer you're working on. If he destroys all bridges, the bridges, and Mothmans are a thing. If it he is? destroys all the bridges, you lose. Um, if he kills all your characters, you lose. The way you beat him is you kill Mothman. <laughs> now, you can kill minions to make it easier for yourself, but you don't have to. And in fact, in this, we played two games. Uh-huh. In the in the main game, we took out both minions and lost. In the second game we played, we, wrecked took, out, Mothman. we took out no minions, but we wrecked Mothman with our last possible turn. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's very dramatic. Uh, we were almost, we were sure we were going to lose. There was one person left. They had one last punch, and they took out oh, Mothman. Oh, man. That reminds so, me of those, some of those great those co-op games yeah. like Pandemic. Yeah. So the the main characters in this are uh, characters I wasn't familiar with. Nikola Tesla with a like a death ray and all this kind yeah, of right. stuff, and, and I knew him. But then uh, there's a guy called the Golden Bat who is one of the first like pulp superheroes. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. like one of those public domain it's like a laughing pulp, skull pulp heroes. Uh, Any Christmas. Who is a, uh, a Louisiana pulp legend? Kind right, of it's, thing. it's like right. one of those uh, like Paul Bunyan and and and. Um, uh, who's the still driving man? John yeah, Henry yeah, type. and and she has a, uh, a sidekick with a gun called something. I forget his name. Phil, Paul, something like that. Johnny New Year. Johnny New Year. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then there is a uh, there's a like a female uh, gadgeteer type who's uh-huh. also a. And those are the four characters that come with the game, and you can play those. Uh-huh. Or you can use any unmatched characters. You could do Cloak and Dagger and Squirrel Girl versus Mothman. Right, or uh, Dracula, Dracula and a raptor from Jurassic Park. And a raptor from Jurassic Park and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Buffy. Up against the Mothman or the... Yes. It's it's a great mix and match. As a game, like, the, the mechanics of it are really quick. Yep. Easy to, easy to understand, but there's a lot of variety in them. Like, some of them... Like, the Golden Bat, who I was playing, if he didn't move, his attacks got a plus two. And so I always tried to, to hit... But if like they were moving around, I had to move up to them, and my attacks were less effective. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you could defend. Like they they all have cards they defend with, and it's it's really fun. It's it's a great game. I I, I highly recommend if you like co co op games, you have any fondness of pulp, uh, check out Tales of Amaze. Nice. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, pulp is pulp is oh, a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, time for Nick and Randy's movie corner. Okay. Uh, let's just go back and forth. Nick, sure. some movies we watched. Why don't you talk about a movie you watched? Uh, I'm going to talk about a very harrowing movie. Uh, this is on Netflix. I would call this a great movie, but hard to watch. It okay. is uh, called The Society of the Snow. It is a uh, real-world thing. based on a book about uh, the Uruguayan flight 
uh, oh. full of footballers that crashed in the Andes Mountains, uh, and they have to sort of survive uh, doing some horrible things to survive. Uh, lots of there is cannibalism. Yep. Uh, it's kind of this is a movie or a documentary. It's a it's a movie. Okay. It's a dramatization of a real world oh my events. God. I don't uh, want to see this. <laughs> it's directed by Jay Bayona, who you will know from... He did a Jurassic World, but he's done a couple of other things. This is probably the best thing he's ever done. Mm. Uh, the cast, I didn't know anybody, which kind of lends credence to it, because you right. can sort of just get into that headspace of these people were the real people in a lot of ways. Yep. Uh, it's sad. It's weirdly hopeful, because there's like these people won't give up. I mean, well, I know that there have been times when I've like heard about real world stories, little little bit glimpses of cannibalism, and like people will say like, "Hey, when I die of starvation or whatever, yeah. I am giving you my okay to eat." Them well, and there are like people. They're part of these these groups, these cl- uh, the football clubs that won't do it. They're like, mm. we. This is like against religion, beyond, religion, beyond, right, beyond the, pale. the pale. Yeah. Right, for uh, the record, if I pass out during a podcast, or if you guys just want to peck it, you can go and eat me. Uh, I was thinking about it right now. <laughs> I saw the hungry look in your eyes. <laughs> I mean... I was going to just, like, like a finger. Oh, like, sure, yeah. It's hard to watch because they don't necessarily show the cannibalism, but they do it in kind of, like, old, like, movie style where you can see, like, in somebody's glasses the reflection of oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, it gives you your brain just enough to sort of envision what is happening. It's kind of movie trickery at its best. How, uh, um... I, I weirdly, uh, because of Yellow Jackets, has this element in it. I yeah. feel like I've I've glimpsed a, a little bit of flesh eating in the last few years. Uh, but this has also got the I think this is probably going to be a little bit better. Yeah, entirely. It's also a lot of survival. There's avalanches. There's sort of like plane wreckages. So this is a kind of not a remake, but do you guys remember the movie Alive? That had yeah, like I remember it existed. But this is basically that that story that they just made with a bunch of white people. Okay. Right. <laughs> so um, Nick and I are going to bounce back and forth. Yeah. What you're going to quickly discover, if you don't already know it, is that Nick's tastes. While uh, Nick does press play, oh, I, you Nick, look- Nick has uh, a little more, let's say, rarefied taste than the the Goober <laughs> movies that I've watched. <laughs> oh, I've I've watched some Goober so, movies. So uh, I also watched a Netflix movie, Chicken Run: Dawn of the Nugget. I was curious about this. I like the original the Chicken stuff Run stuff from the the Artman. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So uh, Zachary Levi is playing the Mel Gibson role. So they got a. Uh, they got another whack job. I was going to say uh, that, that's James. not really. A, that's like a lateral. Is this from move. the dude who did Wallace and Gromit? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. He had really good stop motion um, little claymation things. But uh, basically, the uh, the lead characters they have a kid. She is a teenager now, and there is a big. Uh, they they're living happily on a like an island, but there is a, an industrial chicken farm that opens up near them, uh-huh. and their daughter uh, basically goes there because she's curious and goes with a friend and gets stuck inside. So now they have to break into this like high tech. Uh, chicken facility. Okay. Um, and uh, it's the same crew. They successfully ran a heist breaking out, and now they are breaking in. Uh, it is it is going after, like, factory farming and that kind of stuff. It's funny. It's My, my kid watched it as well. After after I watched it, they watched it. And uh-huh. I did not like it as well as I liked the original Chicken Run. Man, when was um, Chicken Run? That was, was like, it 2000, was a long time right? Ago. It yeah. could have even been the 90s. It was a while back. Okay. But if you liked Chicken Run, I would recommend Dawn of the Nugget. Chicken okay, Run is a good movie, which is. is fun. It's it's got a lot of the same goofy. You've got the two the two mice. It has the heisty type stuff because yeah. they're having to break into this high tech facility. 
Um, 2000 was the original. It, okay. is, yeah. it is not a particular evolution of what Chicken Run did. Like, I feel like this is just another Chicken Run. Yeah. But it's fun, and if you like the first one, I'd recommend. I, I think it's worth watch. Okay. Uh, what, what else did you watch, Nick? Uh, I'm going to talk about a dumb heist movie on Netflix. Yep. Uh, this is the movie Lift. Uh, this this is like as I have such a love hate with this because it's F. Gary Gray who has directed a lot of movies I like. Yeah, he no, most notably the Italian Job, the Italian Job, and uh, Fast Eight, and Fast Eight, and this is like an amalgamation of those two, leaning more heavily towards the Italian Job. But than it anything. also features Kevin what's Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart, who I mostly don't like. But here's the thing: he's not playing Kevin Hart here. He's playing more of a Danny Ocean. Uh, he's like the comedy has been weirdly removed from him. Okay. So he's more of just like the brains and the heart of the operation. Oh, he got a laughectomy. Uh, yes, he got a laughectomy. Uh, also the stars, uh, I always butcher the name, Gugu Mbatha Raw. Oh yeah, I like her. Uh, as sort of the female lead and sort of kind of love interest to Kevin Hart. Okay. She plays a, uh, police Interpol kind of agent who has to convince a group of uh, thieves in order to steal a box of uh, money off a plane that belongs to Jean Renault, who's playing kind of a mustache-twirling bad guy. Sure. How dumb is this? It's... On a, on a scale of Fast 8 to Hobson Shaw, how dumb is this movie? It's... That show's pretty... Those pretty dumb... Similarly dumb? They're pretty similarly dumb, but it's... Hobson Shaw's dumber. <laughs> I will have to say it's dumber than both of those. <laughs> And the thing is, I like both those movies, but they both dumb. But this also has, like, Vincent D'Onofrio and Billy Magnuson. Sure, there are a lot of good people in what could be a very bad movie. Is it a good movie, Nick? Uh, okay, good movie, no. Question. But popcorn movie, <laughs> yes. It's yeah. something you could turn on and you don't have to think. Okay. Uh, or I could not turn it on and still Yeah, you could, you could not turn it on and you'd be fine. <laughs> uh, but if you're in the mood for a little heist thing that you'll... You watched Red Notice. You really can't say much. I did watch Red Notice. <laughs> I did. And, and Red Notice was okay. Is this better or worse? I than felt Red it was better than Red Notice. <laughs> Is it better than The Gray Man? Uh, it, not really. No. I mean, it has was, read The Gray Man. The Gray Man is worse than Red Notice. No, uh, see, yes, in my pan, in my in my uh, hierarchy, uh-huh. no. Gray Man is probably near the top of Oof. the the bad Oof, action flicks. Gray Man was pretty bad. Ah. I do enjoy making a list of Nick's uh, worst movies. Yeah, it's true. Uh, where does it where does it rank with Ballistic X versus Sever? Yeah, that's what I need to check. Or Lift the, is better than Ballistic. Bal- 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 replacement Sever. Killers? No, Replacement Killers is the, the bottom of the barrel. That thing is bullshit. <laughs> How about uh, Terminator Dark, Dark Genesis? Genesis, oh, God. I think. That, oh, was, that was bad, too. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned... Better than all of those. Yeah, it's, it's better it's than It's funny those. that you mentioned Replacement Killers, which is an Antoine Fuqua film. Yep. Uh-huh. Antoine Fuqua, nice. for a long time, was in the doghouse for me because of that movie. Yep. Right. Uh, but he also made Training Day. He made Training Day. He's made other stuff. So, I randomly watched... I don't know why I was in the mood to watch, watch this. The Equalizer. Okay. Which is an Antoine Fuqua movie. He's made three of them now yeah. with Denzel Washington. They're supposed to all be good. Based on the TV show. Um, if you Have you watched um, the Tony Scott movie with, that's uh, Denzel Washington and Tony Scott? The uh, Man, on Man on Fire. Man on Fire? Yeah. If you like that, you will like The Equalizer. I believe it is a slightly better, less mopey version of it. Denzel and Antoine Fuqua make dad revenge movies. Yes. And that is what this is. <laughs> Chloe Moretz plays a Russian prostitute. Uh, this is very much her and her like little kid era. I okay. mean, she's yeah. she's in teenage era. She's too young to be a prostitute. Oh, this is this is not the new one. This is the this, this is the one? original. This one. is the first one. Okay, yeah. okay. 
So he, they like, they hang out at this diner. He's reading books because his wife died, and he's like reading books that she read when she was yeah. alive. Uh, he is an ex-military operative living this quiet life where he like works at Home Depot, and he's like helping this sort of overweight kid become a security guard. He's like this old nice old man. Nobody, yeah. They, they're all joking with him about like what he used to do, and he's like, hey, he was, I was one of the pips. I was Gladys Knight's pips, and uh, there's some funny bits. And he's like living this sort of quiet life. Yeah. Uh, but then these Russian mobsters who are running uh, this running running hookers, uh, they beat her up real bad, and so he goes to their Russian mob operation and tries to buy them off, and they make fun of him, and he's like, "Okay, uh, I could have I could have paid you off, but instead I'm going to beat you all up in 16 seconds." Right. He gives the timeline, and he That's does. And he does beat them all up using corkscrews and weapons of opportunity and all this kind yep. of stuff. He is like super badass. And then the Russian mob turns out was working for an oligarch who sends this like operator to come and and uh, and take out whoever did this. Yeah. And uh, and basically it's him working against this mob guy and that kind of stuff. It's formulaic. It's uh, it is it is dad revenge porn. Uh, like. David Harbour plays a corrupt cop. Oh, sure. Man. That seems good, um, like a role for him. Yeah. And, uh, and and he is working for the Russian mob. And uh, and if you want to see Denzel Washington beat his way through the Russian mob, <laughs> this is this is a good one. <laughs> Denzel's pretty good at this kind of shit. He's very good at this. I was going to say, Denzel doesn't make bad movies. Yes, he does. I'm sure he's made bad movies. Maybe in the 2000s there was like a couple that could be considered bad. At any rate, I mean, this is... This was fun enough. It's 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 a three star at best movie. It's a, it's I mean, a three star is not bad. Yeah. It's a solid actioner. Yeah, I actually like it a little better than Man on Fire, and I'm definitely going to watch Equalizer two and three now because it's 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 formulaic. Well, three just got put on Netflix, didn't it? I or think did so. they all get? They're put on, on three different net services. Oh, okay. Uh, Equalizer's on Max. Equalizer two is on Hulu, and I believe Equalizer three is on is on Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Sure. Yeah. So so if you have all the streaming services, which currently I do. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it before it all goes away, uh, but yeah, uh, solid fun. Uh, if if you like this kind of thing, Nick, what else did you watch? Okay, I'm just gonna do two quick ones. Yep. Uh, if you have Prime, uh, watch. If you want to watch something a little icky and a little, a kinda, little? it might be a little. I've heard no, no, a no, lot no. icky. Uh, Saltburn. Yes. Yeah, it, there are a couple of moments that I I, I never saw coming. This is, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I, I may have said that on purpose. <laughs> uh, uh, this is Emerald Fennell's uh, second movie. She's the person who did Promising Young Woman. Yeah. She makes movies that kind of make you squirm a little yeah. bit. Okay. Uh, in good ways and bad ways. Uh, I don't think this is like an amazing movie, but I feel like sort of class warfare. Yeah. I like the. Perry, Barry Keoghan yeah, uh, does a really good job yeah. as kind of a unassuming guy who sort of falls in love with a rich socialite guy who seems to have it all mm-hmm. and gets invited to spend the summer at the guy's estate and kind of makes <clears throat> gets in with his parents who are played by Rosamund Pike and Richard Grant yep. uh, who those two character actors are amazing yep. in pretty much everything great. they do yep. they yep. do uh this is a weird movie, but I found myself not like. I know it has had reactions where people hate it. Yeah. Uh, I weirdly just kind of enjoyed the ride, as kind of bonkers as it Why was. Why do people hate it? Because there's not a lot 
to it in some okay, ways. Well, it also is, is a pretty gross from what I hear. Is it an art house movie? Yeah, a little bit, but it's kind of just like a pop art house movie sure. in some ways. Uh, I mean, it's there's twists. It doesn't sound. It, it, it sounds a little bit like. Oh, you know, I saw Power of the Dog, and that had a few kind of disturbing scenes in it. Yeah. But it's this not is, like... It was, it was a good movie. Yeah, this is definitely a little more shock. There, there are scenes ah. de- for that one thing. Yeah. Uh, there's some sex scenes and some uh, interesting other yeah, things sure. that I won't get into. Uh, I don't know if I'd highly say press play, but <laughs> it, I enjoyed... I'm glad I watched it. Okay. Okay. And then the second one is Eli Ross Thanksgiving, which uh, I've heard is his best movie. I don't know if I'd say it's his best movie because he weirdly did the House with the Clock on the Walls, okay. and I was surprised by that. Right. And I, saw a little I liked that movie, movie quite a bit. Okay. Right. Uh, but this one is his take on Scream. Uh, it basically takes place uh, on Black Friday. Uh, a retail store is op- is opening up. Then he takes it to the nth degree, and the clamoring masses descend upon the Walmart-esque store, and people die. And out of that breeds a new slasher who wears kind of like this kind of Thanksgiving pilgrim-esque outfit. And what covers the face? It's like this weird plastic-looking pilgrim guy. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's actually a fairly well-done slasher outfit. Okay. Well, uh, I probably saw it on the trailer, but I can't remember it. Well, you, we definitely saw the trailer when we saw um, uh, uh, Grindhouse. Grindhouse. This, this is, is definitely this coming out of that. This right. is a fake trailer in Grindhouse that they made the real movie. And he wrote, Yeah, he, he was just like, we should really make this? Uh, <laughs> I, I listened to an interview with Eli Roth thinking it was he was going to be kind of like the bro-ish dude I thought he yeah, was. Yeah. He was a little more down-to-earth human than I was expecting. Okay. Right. Uh, and he kind of talked about him trying to like go outside the box and, and pick different movies. He's also about to do the Borderlands movie. Or he already okay. did that. Yeah, that's, that's weird. But, okay. uh, but there's one scene I think goes a little too far, kind of more into his hostile territory. But overall, this is a fun movie that has, like, Patrick Dempsey, a group of teenagers that I think are believable. Hmm. There's a Thanksgiving parade that was kind of fun. Uh, It's got some good set pieces and, I think, a good slasher. Uh, Like you, I think this is probably a three-star, maybe bordering on (laughs) three-and-a-half-star for me. Uh, But I do recommend it. And I would say it's not a hostile movie, so... Okay. Don't expect that kind of thing. Okay. So I think you can it's like reasonably press gore and It's stuff. like goofy gore and maybe hostile light. Okay. Uh, last movie on my list is uh, Polite Society. Have you oh, watched this? I have not. I've heard really good things. I actually just the listened. trailer for this was delightful. It is. It's an Indian American girl. Uh, she wants to be a stunt woman. She's trying. She's practicing. She's doing YouTube videos. Yeah. Right. And her sister uh, gets engaged to this very very uh, rich. Uh, Indian dudes like an arranged marriage and sort of changes her personality entirely and like stops believing in her and so she's convinced that she's being brainwashed yeah and so she decides she's going to rescue her yep and uh, that involves a lot of kung fu and and hijinks yep (laughs) there's a lot of fight scenes in this like they do sort of the like uh, this person versus this person street fighter style (laughs) setups um, there's a girl that she beat that get beats her up at school they like they have a big throwdown fight there's a lot of fights there's a lot of brutal action good choreography Um, uh, choreography's great. Yeah, the okay. fight stuff is good. Um, it look it starts to look at, like at first it very much seems like oh she's just kind of a delusional teenager and doesn't want her sister to grow up. Yep. But then it does go into weird territory by the end. Yeah. And uh, and it becomes sort of an action movie. Um, 
it is it is very strange. I will say, if you like the trailer, you'll probably like the movie. But the the plot is weird as hell. I've weirdly listened to a podcast uh, of Jason Manzoukas basically going through his favorite things of the year. Okay. This was near the top of his list. Uh, it, it's very strange. <laughs> it missed a lot of people. I think a lot of people missed it. Um, I was I glad the I watched it. The trailer was pretty good. Yeah, I liked great. it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It is not amazing. No. It is unfortunately like just okay. But uh, the performances are really good. The action's really good, and it's definitely unlike anything else. What's, yeah, what's it called again? Polite Society. Okay, I heard there's a bonkers kind of twist thing. There's a bonkers and, twist, and I'm like, I want to know what that bonkers twist yeah, is because I thought it was like a down. It, no, it no, looked a little more down you, to you earth. You want to watch it because it's about the thir- three quarters of the way through. There's a bonkers twist. Okay, uh-huh. cool. I'm, I'm, I'm ballerina, little, little ballerina girl, a vampire. She's a vampire. <laughs> She's a vampire. <laughs> uh, Nick, did you have any more on your list? No, no, that was okay. it. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, next week we're going to catch up on some stuff. We, we've we had, like, Monarch and Echo and True Detective did not make the week because one or both, more of us did not get a chance to watch it. Yep. But next week we're all going to try and dive into some of those. Yep. Yeah. And uh, until next time, yo, Joe. Roguecast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery of Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.